This is Patriots Playbook. The legend. We really don't get much of a chance just to shoot the bleep, do we? So it infuriates the hell out of me. Ask Miss Robin. She'll tell you. I'm the one that's going, God, bleep, blah, 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 blah. You know, letting it fly, and she's like, shh, the neighbors will hear you. I walk in the door. He could not get out of here fast enough. He didn't even look at me. <laughs> yeah, happy Thanksgiving, Ev. Now, here's your host of Patriots Playbook, John Rook. I forgot what context that was in. I I, I heard about this, John. I heard about Come this. Come on, you did not. I did. I got upstairs, and uh, I'm going to throw him right under the bus. Our, our webmaster, Chris Ferreira, came up to me, and he said, John's John Rook is he's got a bone to pick with you. Oh, he's not happy. That, that was the cut. Now he, I remember. <laughs> he's not happy, and uh, I I just want to say that I sincerely apologize. No, and and I. Well, yes, you do. Okay, we, my we, God, yes, you do. We, you we need had to apologize. Press conferences to go to, so yeah. I I jetted out of here. I know, but uh, everybody was telling me about how how you Rook was upset. Yeah, that you because you walked out now. on him. You walked out on me. I hope we're still you turn, friends. You turned right around. He walked out the door. You didn't even acknowledge my presence. <laughs> He's like, I gotta get out of here before Rook says, "Oh, please, please, can you give me fifteen minutes?" Oh, you! I, I always have fifteen minutes for you. You know that. Well, you better have thirty. I have, I have an hour. <laughs> if you want. Now I gotta, now I gotta make up for last week. So we'll just do. Oh, it's all good, Evan. It's all good. You know me. I like to have fun at uh, your expense and everybody else's expense, too, for that matter. Including my own, by the way. Including I, my own. I because I came into today thinking, if I have to deal. With Mac versus Bailey again this week. I just don't know if I have the breath left. <laughs> well, uh, I, I don't know if you don't have to deal with it because it's still a little bit ambiguous. Yeah. But, uh, I, you know, we were just talking about it on PU. I, mm-hmm. I was out at practice, mm-hmm. and it was the Bailey Bailey's Zappy getting show. Getting the reps, yeah. yeah and, uh, and Malik Cunningham's out there, too, getting reps, right? Yep, and yeah. I think that it's um, yeah. we're at the point, at this point, and – we have famously argued on this show about Mac Jones versus Bailey Zappi. <laughs> one of one of our all time great radio moments. Yes, it was was, was Bailey yes. Zappi versus yep. Mac Jones last year. Zappi, Zappi. I am. I have. <laughs> you would appreciate this out of all people because you know how hard against Bailey Zappi I was. I last know year. you were. You totally. Yeah. Almost like he was playing for the Jets or something. I am at the point now where I am camp. Bailey Zappi. <laughs> and I just want to make it a hundred percent clear. A hundred percent clear. And it's based off of two specific things. One, I will admit that I would like to see I would like to see what it looks like for Zappi when he is the starter for the whole week. Like what's it like if you give him practice reps Wednesday through Friday? It's his game plan, it's his play sheet, it's a it's a plan catered around Bailey Zappi and he's not coming into the middle of a football game like he has all season long. What does it look like? And when I say that, I have no inclinations whatsoever that he's going to look like a franchise quarterback. Nobody is saying that. But for the Patriots, I do wonder if he can prove in the next six weeks of the season that he is a capable NFL backup quarterback, and that way there next year in the draft, you're not looking for two quarterbacks. You're really just looking for one, right? And, and I think that that's the biggest thing that you have to take away from this. It, it's, it has to happen. With the way Mac Jones has played, he has to be benched. We know Mac is, is shot. He's broken. And, and, and we've talked about this now for several weeks this year. We think he's been broken pretty much since before midseason. Yeah. 
Um, and, and we can lie fault wherever you want to lie fault. It, it's clearly Mac has to own some of it because it's still his performance. But at the same time, there are multiple factors involved here. And I don't know if we'll even get to another of those factors today, but we all know there are multiple factors involved here. And in, in my particular viewpoint, we've always on this show tried to take a little bit more of a longer-term view. So I can appreciate at least your immediate... <laughs> 180-degree turn from this time a year ago when you were literally lambasting me for thinking about me. And, of course, I only did Don't that think only it. because you have a great blue vein right down the middle of your forehead, <laughs> and I just wanted to see it pop. So but, but that, that part of it, you know, besides that, um, I, I just – when you compare the two based on what we knew at the time – to their level of talent. There was nothing to compare Bailey Zappi to. He was fresh out of college. And Mac had had a good rookie year. He had a crappy last year. We know that. You know, and he obviously was what he was at Alabama to be a first-round draft pick. So when you look at them, you know, based on their 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 height, their weight, their trait, their athleticism, everything, I mean, Mac had it all over. And for anybody to even consider Bailey Zappi being in the same category was ridiculous and told me that, Honestly, you don't know what you're looking at when you're watching a football game. You don't know. Now, there are many different factors that swing into this equation now, as we all know. Mac is beaten and broken. He reminds me, I think the best analogy that I can come up with is Mac reminds me of Ken Norton as a heavyweight boxer. He's just beat all to hell. Yeah. Okay? And he had nothing left in the tank at the end of his tenure. You know, at the end of his career. And gee, many Christmas, this is the third year of his professional career. And I don't see anything in this guy. And I honestly believe, and this is what I was prepared to say today, and so I'll go ahead and follow it up, but I honestly believe he benefits himself personally by sitting out. Yeah. I, I don't think this is an issue that you can work through. You want to get him to a sports psychologist. You want to get him to a, a quarterback guru. You want to sit him down with TB12 himself. Whatever. But he needs time to sort of absorb what he's gone through and recover from what he's gone through, not just physically, but especially mentally. Yeah. And we have to, we have to understand that you're right. Where Bailey Zappi's concerned, this is a stopgap measure. Let's see what the Patriots have in him, and can he do it with a complete full week of practice and the backing of the offense, such as it is. Because honestly, this last Sunday against the Giants, I have not felt this way about a New England Patriots team in 33 seasons since 1990. You know, when you knew they had no hope and no prayer of moving the ball and w much less winning a football game. Yeah. So this is unprecedented territory for many of us in this audience today, in, in your lifetime just about, because the yeah. I mean, we've never gone through this with Bill Belichick. Even yeah. in his first year when they were 5-11, and 11, we didn't go through this kind of nadir. We didn't go through this. Yeah. Nobody's gone through this. So we're in uncharted waters here. Yeah. So nobody knows how to act or even react. We react, blah, 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 he sucks, he blows, whatever. That's just cannon fodder. That's just bloviating. If you're really going to look at this from a big-picture point of view, the fact of the matter is, is right, it's getting worse. We may not yet have hit bottom on this team. Uh, bottom on this team, I think, right now would be 2-15. and 15. Then you can pretty much say, okay, if you've got the number one draft pick, you're at the bottom. But at the same time, I just saw a poll today where uh, – 
I think ESPN stats and info released that the Patriots right now have a 26% chance of either the first or the second pick in the draft in April, which is pretty good odds. One in four chance of getting one of those top two picks. And I know we're looking way ahead of it. But I'm thinking big picture. And so in terms of big picture and trying to stay big picture, in terms of big picture, yeah, you do need to see what you have. He does need to operate with whatever your full deck is because you kind of know what you have with Mac. And I think I'd even just remove Mac from the equation for a while. Is Bailey Zappi worth keeping? Is Bailey Zappi good enough to where we could go out and maybe pick up a free agent veteran in the offseason if we don't get the drafted quarterback that we really identify as the guy that can be the next guy. And, hey, remember, they thought they had him with Mac Jones three years ago, and it turned out not having him. So are we going to go through this drill in another three years? Don't know. So we can only operate in the here and now. Yeah. And the here and now is, all right, Bailey's up. Now, one more thing I'm going to add to that. Yeah. And I'm hearing on local radio around here today, talk every talk show just about touching on the fact that, you know, Bill's going to take us through this garbage every week, not tell us who the starter is. Rex Ryan going off the, you know, Rex is just butthurt because Bill whipped his butt, you know, 10 times to Sunday every week when he was a coach. So I, I take nothing that Rex Ryan says. Uh, I don't credit any of it. I take it all with a grain of salt. The, the issue here is overall um, – uh, the, the the Patriots and Bill Belichick are going to do exactly as they've always said, and they should. It's not playing games, releasing the starter because we're trying to play some sleight of hand of the opponent or whatever. That's not what it is. But if you're going to stay true to what you've always said, and I believe Bill does that, okay? If he does nothing else, he stays true to what his beliefs are, correct? Most of the time. Most of the time, okay? Then it's a week-to-week process, and the guy who performs better in practice is going to get the start, and it's going to happen every stinking week for the rest of this year. However, Mac may be removed from the process. Yeah, I think that that's, I guess, the only part that I I would push back on a little bit is just because I I think that it would be pretty hard – I I venture to guess that Mac Jones probably outperforms Bailey Zappi in practice every single week. Uh, I you know it has nothing to do with the fact that I you know the whole thing that we would argue about last year about Matt being better and all this. I I just think that that's probably what happens. It probably is because in practice you're wearing a red non-contact jersey. Yeah. Nobody can touch you. Yeah. There's no threat of the pass rush hitting you. There's right. no threat. It's not a live game setting. A lot of these reps we also have to remember in practice is against the scout team defense. Uh-huh. So you're going up against a lot of practice squad guys mm-hmm. and guys at the bottom of the roster that are on the scout team. We're not talking about him going up against Josh Uche and Christian Barmore and you know the the starting defense. So he probably, it probably looks okay at times in practice, mm-hmm. and I, I think that that's the problem that they've run into is that Wednesday through Friday, Mac gets the majority of the reps. Mac looks okay in practice, and then they get to the game in on Sunday, and when it's live, that's when it unravels for Mac. What I look at with, with Bailey Zappi and with Mac at this point is that Mac Jones had a lot of really bad habits that seeped in and into his game last year footwork uh, you know throwing off his back foot uh, antsy in the pocket all this kind of stuff and then this year the results didn't come and the confidence went out the door so yeah, now you have yeah. a guy that has no confidence 
that has already regressed mechanically and then that snowballs on you to being what he is now, which is just a totally broken quarterback. Right. I, I think we're at the point now with Mac Jones uh, where he doesn't start another game as a New England Patriot. I, I, I think that he, he's, he's done here. And I, think he, I think he could be, but again, I will reiterate that I believe that truly Bill will take this week to week. I think uh, he, he'll sit him down for a while. I don't know how long a while is. Maybe the while is six weeks. I don't know. Yeah. But I do think that Mac will have an opportunity in practice to get another shot. I think that he'll get another shot. They might determine that, you know what, I think we're good. We know now, but I still would be surprised if he doesn't get another shot somewhere. I, I would say the only way to me that he starts another game for the Patriots is, is due to injury to Zappi. Okay, maybe. Uh, other than that, maybe. I don't think it happens unless Zappi goes out there on Sunday and is just god-awful. Like, yeah. And I, I just can't imagine that it could be much worse. And I think my point about Mac and the sort of development of his, his broken status here is that when I watch Bailey Zappi play, there are clear-cut limitations to his game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he's not mentally somebody that looks broken. He's not panicked. He's not sped up. He's not making horrible decisions with the football, You know, throwing lob passes to linebackers over the middle of the field because he sees a blitz coming. Right? Yep. You know, He's not making those god-awful types of decisions for the most part. I know he threw a bad interception against the Colts, but that was put into a situation that not a lot of guys are going to succeed in. Like, here's a game-winning drive to go win the game. You've been sitting on the bench all day long. Go win us the football game. Like, that doesn't really happen anytime, anywhere. Right? That was a really weird circumstance. Mm -hmm. Other than that, like, the interception he threw on Sunday against the Giants wasn't a Mac Jones-level interception like we've seen Mac throw the last couple weeks. It was a really good play by Xavier McKinney. It was a really good safety. And he stared it down a little bit. And he probably telegraphed it a little bit. But at the end of the day, McKinney comes out of center field and, you know, jumps a crossing route and makes a play on the yeah, ball. Yeah. It, it wasn't like Mac Jones's interception on a very similar concept where he's throwing into a team meeting. for mm-hmm. the, There's three Giants and one Patriot in the area. This was a different type of throw. How many times did they throw into double and triple teams last week? Yeah. Holy crap, it seemed like every pass was at least doubled, if not tripled. Well, I, I think that that obviously that speaks to the talent at the receiver and the, well, and the I was, design I'm of the just, I'm just going to say, the, the other, you know, and, and, and Bill O'Brien, I think, you know, fell on the sword a little bit this week, talking yeah. to, to the media. As he that, you should. Know, yeah, and I, and I think it was, it was um, yeah, I think it was appropriate. I think he definitely should because a lot of it, you know, is starts with him. But I think, you know, and I know that this is probably going to come as a little bit of a surprise to a lot of people because of um, uh, the nature of his belovedness around here. But Troy Brown's got to answer for this, too. Yep. I, I mean, I've been you, you, I've been on Troy Brown for two years. Yep. I, I, I think at some point, to start with Bill O'Brien, the person that I'm the most disappointed in, disappointed dad in, is O'Brien. Mm-hmm. Because with Mac... I already knew that it was probably a 50-50 proposition whether or not Mac Jones was going to recover from last year mm-hmm. and go on to be what we thought he might be his rookie season. Right. With Bill O'Brien, I, I really thought that there would be a professional level of performance that he would bring to the table. And it to this point, it still blows my mind that statistically they are a worse offense this year than they were last year. 
I, it's hard. It, 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 number one, it's hard for me to fathom that. Number two, somewhere Matt Patricia smiling. Sure. I, I still stick to my guns on the fact that the design of the offense last year was incredibly flawed. I, I, I have to trust my gut on that, and I also have to trust what the players were telling us, you know, throughout the season that they didn't have answers to things. They they were getting game planned by other defenses, and there was no left hand, right? There was no plan B. Yeah. Uh, they were watered down offensively, like everything was simplified and uh, you know borderline like high school college level in terms of vanilla-ness on offense. Bill O'Brien's installation, and I know this for a fact because I, I, I've seen some of it on both coaches. Good. Bill O'Brien's installation this year compared to Matt Patricia's installation last year, and when I say installation, I mean the playbook that they installed in the offseason, was night and day. You're talking about, you know, like Julian Edelman used to say, we're talking about calculus and, and like basic arithmetic, mm-hmm. right? Like that, that's what we're talking about in terms of difference. But the the level of schematic advances that they've made this year it clearly has not translated to anything better yeah. offensively. And that, to me, I think is where the, the biggest, like, how the heck did we get here uh, thing comes down to it. I think everybody wants to know that. I really do. Yeah. I want to know how we got here. How yeah. did we get here? How did, how did this go so far south? so fast and the only reasonable explanation i can come up with is just been an unbelievable confluence of several disasters happening almost simultaneously yeah i i think what i've come back to because i again i have to trust that bill o'brien is a better offensive coach than matt patricia <laughs> like, you're I, talking about I, one I guy with, that's been i think doing within it. reason you could make that assessment yeah yes. one guy that's been doing it for 30 years that's had success in the league that's had success in college as opposed to a guy who was just forced to do it right i have to believe that yeah. so that tells you that the the issues offensively are personnel driven they're player driven and i think mac jones's regression hit hard last year and has hit even harder this year Ultimately, Jacoby Myers in, out, Juju Smith-Schuster in, turned out to be a massive downgrade. And I think when you look at Juju uh, Jacoby's year last year, if he was in a functional NFL offense, he's probably a 1,000-yard receiver. Why was Juju such a massive downgrade? Because of his damaged goods? I, I Yes, I think he was damaged goods, and I think that his skill set is – different enough from Jacoby's Jacoby's a great route runner Jacoby's a great separator he's a great route runner uh, he's got great hands uh, those types of things that I think Jacoby does really well whereas Juju is more of that like catch and run sturdy frame bigger frame slot receiver and I think that that difference didn't translate well into this offense you know that there Jacoby was the tech the, the technician and that's what this offense calls for, whereas Juju is more of a guy that just wants to catch and run the ball in space. Yeah. And they don't get it, him into space, and they don't get those opportunities. It's, it's weird because the couple of times, it's, it, it's not all that dissimilar to Johnny Smith. Like, a, a couple of times that we've seen Juju not have to juke guys out, but just catch the ball on, like, a crossing route and be able to just run up the field he's done okay on a lot of those carries. Like he, he's gained yards mm-hmm. on a lot, but there's so few and far between 
He doesn't get open. They can't get him into space. Right. And he has a hard time getting open because of his injury. Right. He doesn't get open on his own. He doesn't. He can't run her out, break down, make a cut, get open on his own. Jacoby could do that. And I think that that was probably the biggest thing. So it, it's got to be personnel driven. That's that's the way that I feel about it. Uh, but in general, Bill O'Brien, I think uh, we look at him as well. And on top of the fact that they could have a new head coach here next year, which could be an offensive guy to begin with, I, I really am starting to think that maybe Bill O'Brien might be one and done in New England. Because that's the biggest reason, is if you hire – a Ben Johnson or somebody like he's going to come in and run his own offense. So he doesn't need Bill O'Brien here. But even if you don't, I, I, I just wonder if maybe they go in a completely different direction offensively with, with the next hire. All right. That leads me to my next question because I, I was thinking, well, we may not have time for this today because we do want to spend some time on the immediacy of, of everything that's happening. But, you know, one of the things that I kind of thought about in general terms was so much out there in not only in the local media here, but now spreading into the national media as to, you know, wow, would the Patriots really consider firing Bill Belichick? And so I, I really have a simple threefold question. Uh, and I want anybody and everybody who's listening to this right now to offer your opinion one way or the other. You can pick up the phone, 855-PATS-500, webradio at patriots.com on email, or hit me up on x.com. Matt, he's laughing because I always say Twitter. It's still Twitter. At uh, JR Broadcaster, okay? Three things. Three things. Which one do you pick? Where Bill Belichick is concerned. Okay. Keep him. Let him go. Trade him. So I'm gonna I'm gonna cross sports. That's okay with you. Fine. I know some programs don't know. Whatever what, whatever analogy you want to use is fine by me. So this is the playbook, so you know. If, we'll open it up wide. If he cares at all, which I I tend to think he doesn't care. But if he does care at all about how he leaves the Patriots and how he leaves the organization at the end here. When the Celtics traded Paul Pierce and Mm -hmm. Kevin Garnett to the Brooklyn Nets, Mm -hmm. they knew that their window was shut. Yeah, it was gone. They weren't going to win another title. Right. They knew that. Right. And their parting gift to the Celtics, because the Celtics needed their permission. Mm Mm-hmm to trade them. I think KG in particular might have had a no trade clause. Their parting gift to the Celtics was you can trade us to Brooklyn and get a haul of draft picks for us and those draft picks turn into Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So I he jokes about it, but Paul Pierce always jokes about how you're welcome Boston. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Not only did I, I let you trade me. Not only did I win you a title, but then I gave you a decade of relevant basketball because I gave you Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So if I'm Bill Belichick and I'm thinking about this, I think that there's my preference would be to trade him because if you can get a, a real asset in exchange for Bill Belichick. If you can get If, big if, but if you can get a real asset in exchange for Bill Belichick, this team needs rebuilding assets. Like that's what they need. If you're talking, even if you're talking about a day two draft pick, it's, it's a little parting gift. See, I think that that is the least likely of the three scenarios to occur. Much as I think in theory, we'd all like to see that the number one reason that that's the least likely scenario to occur is because everybody knows you're trying to get rid of him. Yeah. 
the part of the compensation is going to be an issue. You got a you got a one for uh, the the Broncos uh, or who uh, the the Saints got a one for uh, Sean Payton. Yeah. Okay. Are you going to get a one for Bill Belichick? No. No. Because he's ten years older. Than exactly Brady. the yeah. point. Yeah. And Bill's going to say, "I'm not even worth a one." No, no, I'm not going for that. Don't no, don't trade me. Fire me. I, I this is where I said that if he cares, because what I meant that to say, you know, by that is that. He want in my mind he would want to get fired regardless. Yes, because he can be a free agent right. and pick and choose his spot. And the, and the crafts have to pay him. Yes, right. So he's yes. So he's going to beg him. You know, hey, if if I'm not your coach, fire me. Right. Yeah. So so it it doesn't behoove Bill Belichick whatsoever to to be traded. Yeah. It really doesn't. No, it doesn't benefit him at all. No. But if you're looking at it from an organizational point of view, yeah, you're going to try to get some assets from him. But if you're not going to get, but a, I mean. Good Lord. I think even Bruce Arians got a one, didn't he? He might have. This is where I think that. And we can't get a one for the maybe the greatest coach of all time? No. And you can't get a one? Are you freaking serious? Not at his really? age. Really? I, I think there's a chance that if it's a team like the Chargers, a team like the Cowboys, a team like the Commanders, maybe. Depending or on close to winning? And more so that aren't picking in the top ten. Yeah. Like, let's say it's it's – the 25th pick in the draft and so you're not getting for example you're not getting you know well carolina doesn't have their first round pick so i guess that's a bad example mm -hmm. but you're not getting a top 10 pick oh, for you're bill not going belichick. to carolina that's worse of a dumpster dumpster fire than this is you're not getting a top 10 pick for bill belichick could you get the 15th pick in the draft from the chargers for bill belichick maybe Maybe, maybe, maybe. I still but say I, I no, think, but maybe. No, I, but maybe. But if you could get that, then I think it probably is to your benefit to do that. Yeah, hundred percent. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Because then you're, you've got your own pick plus the fifteenth. Now you got two of the top fifteen picks. Right. Mm. Draft a quarterback and a receiver. Yeah, and there you and go. You, and you're ready to roll. Right. And the new era has begun all over again. Right. Just no, like it did three years ago. Totally. Yeah. I I just when I look at this situation, I, I think the one thing that I keep on trying to wrap my head around is like how do they keep bill not we all know all the reasons why they shouldn't keep bill and we're all i'm all in the camp of get rid of bill like trust me but how d are, are there any arguments for keeping him and what and, and what are they number one 23 years of history Right. See, that to me is like you. Ten you, Super Bowl appearances. You can't rest on the laurels. No, I, you I, can't. You can't. I don't I'm, disagree with but, you. But, but he. Yeah. But he also get brought you six trophies, and 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 I just to me I, I don't I don't think that's calculable. I mean, it changed the whole face and demeanor of the franchise to the point now where people all over the country are taking pot shots at the Patriots because they suck so bad right now. Yeah. Okay. But if you didn't win before and kick the crap out of people along the way, you wouldn't have this scenario. People just roll their eyes and say, oh, it's the Patriots. They blow already anyway. But now people are vehement about it. Why would Rex Ryan come out and say what he did this week? Now, Bill, you know, Bill, tell us your damn quarterback because they both stink to high heaven or whatever it was he said. I'm paraphrasing, yeah. right? Okay. Why would Rex even feel the need to do that? Because Rex has been waiting his whole life to beat the Patriots at something. And he can't, and he hasn't, and he never will. Yeah. So all I'm saying is it's everybody's time to jump in now and, and, and beat up on New England. Yeah. And it wouldn't have this scenario if there wasn't winning done beforehand. Yeah. If there wasn't being up on the totem pole beforehand. So that's, that's I mean, to me, that's just like, you know, you, it's like putting the cart before the horse. 
it doesn't belong. The horse has got to go first. Bill Belichick is the horse. And so, I, I, to me, I don't think just letting him go is an option. I, I think that's last. If I had to choose amongst the three of what's likely to happen, I say he's fired. Yeah, I, I, I think that he that will be, and this is the one thing that I, you know, I try not to get too much into, as we call them, Paul's shows yeah. and and you know yeah, all yeah, the the, yeah, the, yeah. the sports radio stuff. But in reality, that you have to see it for what it is, of course. And, and that is that there is going to be a little bit of a power struggle here now between Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick. There absolutely will be, Evan. Yeah. And, 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 and it might have already started. Oh, I, 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 listen, why do you think Mr. Kraft hasn't said anything? Yeah. Because he's just he's biding his time to the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Then they're going to have that sit down, and they're like, all right, Bill, what do you want to do? And he's going to be like, well, what do you mean what I want to do? I'm going to coach football. And he's like, well, it's pretty clear that you know the direction we're heading is not the direction we need to head. Right. And then that's where the gnashing of the teeth and the boxing right, of fists. That's Bill's when gonna it's going to start. Bill's going to – I agree with the Felgers of the world on this. Bill's going to say, fire me. Kraft is going to say, why would I let you why go Why would I let now? you go? You're an asset. Right. And it in a, lo- a way, you know. And we now got. we're going to have to negotiate. So yeah. it'll be a cluster bleep, is what it will be. Um, and and they're going to work out some kind of an arrangement potentially where they'll trade him to a team that he would want to go to. Yeah. Which could be the Chargers, which could be this could week's be. opponent. You might be looking at Bill Belichick on the other sideline this time next year if that happens. It's possible. It's possible. And I I, still, I don't like it for the Chargers. Like, I love it for no, Bill. No, no, no. I, I actually, I do like it for the Chargers, and I'm going to tell you why. Because it gives them identity, and they don't have it even in their own stadium or their own city. So that's they fair. are the Rams' stepchild. That's fair. Red-headed stepchild in Los Angeles. Those are the Chargers. They're not the Los Angeles Chargers. They never will be the Los Angeles Chargers. They will always be San Diego, you know, and that's just the way it is. And so for them to have an identity, they need somebody that will focus attention on them, on the lightning bolts, on the, yeah. the baby blue and the gold. Bill Belichick can do that for that franchise. I, I, that's a great point. And I think in a lot of ways, that's why the Robert Kraft hired Bill Parcells back in the day. Yes! Is to give the Patriots Yes, now, now you're cooking on the analogy. But 100%. At the, at the same time, I, I look at it from the Chargers' perspective and – from a football perspective, because that's what I do, and Justin Herbert is is your asset, right? He's your prize. He he's a franchise quarterback. And why wouldn't Bill want to go coach Justin Herbert? Why wouldn't Bill want to go coach Justin Herbert? Is one hundred percent true. Why would if you're Justin Herbert and you're the Chargers, I would seriously be reluctant, not not just because of what just happened to Mac Jones under Bill Belichick's watch, but also because of Bill's age. Yeah, yeah. At seventy two, yeah. of what are you really hoping for out of that marriage? Because if I'm the Chargers, I'm thinking, who is the Kyle Shanahan that we can pluck that can be with Justin Herbert for the next decade? Not for the next two years. Yeah. yeah right? Right. And so I think that that's the, the problem for the that Chargers. Would be, that would be a little bit of a fly in the ointment. Yeah, I agree with that one. Sure. Plus, you know. Is he going to bring Josh McDaniels with him to run the offense? Is he going to bring Bill O'Brien with him? I seem to think a guy named Josh McDaniels is available. Right, but those guys, again, it's it's all it's all temporary. I feel like with the Bills' next stop. But again, when the Patriots were building with Bill Parcells, I don't think there was any ten or fifteen year 
plan ahead. It right. was like, we need to get relevant, and we need to get relevant now. Yeah. And that's the same situation the Chargers are in in L.A. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that the other team, because of the same situation, is Washington. I think they have a new owner that mm. has deep pockets mm. that's trying to make make your splash and make it you know known that we're here to spend and we're here to, mm-hmm. to build something in mm-hmm. Washington. And I, I think it's the same sort of thing. As, uh, sure. you know, it's the Parcells I, analogy I, there as well. I think that's a believable scenario as well. All right. Yep. So I'm interested in what you guys think. 855-PATS-500, web radio at patriots.com, at JR Broadcaster on X. Thanks, Ev. Always appreciate the comments. All right. So I uh, stayed this time, just for the record. Uh, yeah, he did. He did. That's very true. I can't bitch you out of blue streak anymore, so that's that's good. Uh, maybe next week we'll actually get to talk some football. I, you know, who knows, right? Uh, but we'll take our chances on that one. A lot of it depends on the the team that occupies the uh, stadium on Sundays here. Uh, so that conversation is actually kind of kind of leading a little bit to the next person we're dealing with because uh, the Chris Mason, who covers the Patriots for MassLive.com, is going to join us here momentarily. Fernando Ramirez, who covers the uh, L.A. Chargers. Uh, uh, for uh, Sporting Tribune, the Sporting Tribune. He's going to join us later in the show, as will Russell Baxter on Week 13 around the NFL. So we got a lot to get to. Uh, I wasn't sure that the, the tone and the tenor of this conversation today was going to go this direction. But, Chris, I'm really happy that you're with us today for a couple of reasons, because I know you just wrote about this on MassLive.com, about what should happen next between Bill Belichick and also um, uh, 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 Robert Kraft. Uh, and the Kraft family. And I've always been of the opinion, and, and I don't know what they've told you. Maybe they've told you something differently. But they told me several years ago, before this was ever even a conversation, that, you know, Bill can do what Bill wants because Bill has a lifetime worth of uh, goodwill built up with six Super Bowl championships in New England. Jonathan Kraft once told me he will never fire Bill Belichick. And that is a quote, okay? Now, that was years ago, but he did say that. And he didn't say that just to me. He said it to, you know, uh, an open public floor. So I'm kind of curious to, to know what your beliefs are uh, and, and where you think this relationship goes from this point forward when it's very clear it can't stay the same. Well, if Jonathan's the one, uh, if Robert is the one who technically fires Bill, then yep. that means Jonathan did, right? <laughs> like, yep. then his words are still okay. But, um no, I think you're going to see a quote-unquote mutual parting of ways. Like, I think that's the next step for this. And I think everyone around here knows it's not working. Uh, Bill clearly still wants to keep coaching. So I think that he's going to have he's going to have to find somewhere to do. Well, it certainly stands to reason uh, that that's going to be the case. The question that I'm, I'm asking everybody today is uh, there are three real scenarios here that could happen. Uh, it could, the dominoes could fall any one of these three tracks. And which one do you favor? A, you keep Bill. B, you let Bill go. C, you trade Bill. Which one happens? I think B is the most likely. Um, I think people like the idea of C, but I think that gets really complicated, and there's a reason it doesn't happen often. And plus, C, Bill's going somewhere else, right, and agrees that he's going to the Chargers or he's going wherever. Why is he going to want to give up a draft pick coming up, you know, a a high draft pick in exchange for himself? Like, I don't think he (laughs) wants that, and I think he can make things really difficult. 
doing that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me either, to be quite honest with you. I'm just kind of like, yeah. yeah. And it, what I mean, I, I, you can't get a one from me? Are you kidding me? I mean, and why would I give up a one? And I'm just like, oh, yeah. Right. I can, I I can see myself? that being just like, oh, lawsuit city. Just like when Bill came here from the Jets, you know? Literally, that's exactly what I feel like we're getting ready to go through all over again. Except on the other, the shoes yeah. on the other foot. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see, like, I, I heard the tail end of what you and Ed were talking about, the different locations. Yeah. One that makes a ton of sense to me if, like, the chips fall a certain way is Dallas, hmm. where if they go one and done or, like, torpedo out of the playoffs, hmm. I think Jerry's going to look to move on from Mike McCarthy. And then I think Bill can, like, really – I think he's going to want to go somewhere where he can win now. You know, I don't think he's going to want to be a part of a rebuild. And some of the rebuilding teams, I don't know why they would want. This but would he, Chris? Coach. But Chris, would he go somewhere where he won't make the call on buying the groceries? So that's the thing. That's essentially the consolation that he'd have to. I think he'd have to make if he wants to go to a win now beat. Is that he has to take a step back from personnel, just coach? And I wonder if that's something that he's ready for at this point. Where we've heard him more this year than any other year before, and like some of that's the record, of course. But just talk about how, you know, it's it's. Too, no, no one person can do all personnel and all coaching. Like, you need a lot of other people involved. And he's, like, kind of distanced himself from the personnel stuff in a way that he has never really before. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always been, you know, it's Bill's show. It's, it's, it all runs through him. And at a certain level, it does. But he's talked about it more plainly this year than he ever has before. Yeah. And I can see him saying, well, maybe I could coach another three or four years even if I, you know, had less job stress. And I think given up the decision-making process – would probably lend itself to that, no? Yeah, I would agree. And he um, he always raves about Dallas's roster. Like, mm. anytime I see him earlier this year, he speaks so highly of, you know, the Pro Bowlers on there and everything. He has a good relationship with Stephen Jones. So I, I think that he'd probably be happy to, like, slide in somewhere and just coach. Uh, such issues that we have to deal with. We can't talk about X's and O's and football and – you know, receivers getting open deep. Oh, we could talk about that because the Patriots don't have any. So I think that's, you know, pretty clear to see. And I, I'm not, you know, you know, playing straight man to my own joker here at the same time. I mean, it's a, it's a legitimate problem. I, I just I mentioned to Evan a little bit earlier. Again, Chris Mason from MassLive.com joining us. I, I mentioned Evan earlier. I said, you know, this is the first time really since 1990 that I can – Recall going into a Patriots football game knowing full well that they had zero shot. Zero shot. Now, I gave them a shot against the Giants because the Giants are almost as pathetic as they are on offense. And clearly, I think the Patriots do have at least something left on defense because they're without their two best athletes and they're still holding people down. They limited the Giants to 220 yards last week and 10 points. The problem is largely almost entirely on the offensive side of the ball. And it's an absolute uh, nadir of ineptitude. It's just it's we, we, you can't go beyond bottom where this team has gone. And so where do you start building back up? And, you know, Bill O'Brien said this week to you guys, to all the reporters, he said, you know, hey, it starts with me. I'm just as much at fault as anybody else here. And I'm paraphrasing what he said. But I'm like, well, thank God somebody's standing up, you know? Yeah, there's there's definitely plenty of blame to go around. And what you're saying about like going into games expecting losses has still kind of taken some getting used to this year. Where there have been a couple of times where, like after they got skunked by Dallas, I remember being like, all right, but there's no way that like 
Derek Carr comes into Foxborough and beats Bill Belichick and, like, puts a nail in that coffin, right? Like, that's not going to happen. And then they get blown out in that game. They don't just lose. They get blown out. Mm. And there's a little more of the same thing this week, right, where it's like, well, there's no way that Belichick's going to lose to Tommy DeVito, right? Like, <laughs> that just can't happen. And then it does. So, you know, I know. Just, for them, it's, that, like, that, it's reality now. His, it's just happening. His name rolling off the tongue just doesn't compute. Bill Belichick and Tommy no. DeVito. What? What? Really? Goodness. I, I just that one blew me away. I said you and, and I thought just like everybody else, I said there's no way Bill could lose to Tommy DeVito. Yeah, just not damned if they didn't figure out a wide way to do it. And 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 the other thing that really bothered me, I think, from something that just hurt me in my soul as a as a as a football fan, right? Not so much as a Patriots, you know, you know, talk show host or Patriots employee or whatever, but as a, as a fan, it hurt my soul because here's a two and eight football team playing for a freaking tie. What are we doing? It was <laughs> that last drive was crazy. And uh, like Bill's, Bill's explanation for it too, where he's like, well, we weren't doing that because like, well, we, we threw on second down and didn't end around on third. It's like, what? Yeah. Like you're watching the entire tempo of that drive yeah. and the entire pacing. It's like, you're clearly playing for a field goal. Clearly. Like, uh, you didn't take a shot at the end zone. Yeah. I mean, if you were going to play, yeah, if you wanted to go for the win, you're going to take a shot at the end zone. The problem is this offense can't take a shot at the end zone. There's not enough time for the quarterback to find a guy. There's not enough time for the receivers to get open if they even run the right routes. There's just there's nothing there. And so that's why they're forced to do jet sweeps and end of rounds and, and bubble screens. And, oh, my Lord. I mean, I, you know, how many passes did they have actually that traveled longer than 10 yards on Sunday? I, it had to be single digits. Uh, completed, it was very, very few. I can tell you that. Hmm. I mean, that's just uh, – it's not – I mean, it, I mean, hell, let's go back and let's run the wishbone, because at least it would surprise the crap out of people, you know. I, that's that's. Yeah. I mean, I'm just like, wow, this is. It almost doesn't compute. And so, while Bill O'Brien has rightfully taken some of his share of the blame, and to me, he's been one of the greater disappointments of the year. If if Mac Jones is disappointment one, Bill O'Brien is one A, as far as I'm concerned. And then you probably put Troy Brown on the receiving core there as one B, if not higher. You can make a case for all of them. And then 1C would have to be the overall performance of the offensive line, which, by the way, has been at least steady, if unspectacular, over the last several weeks. You know, because they've finally gotten guys healthy, even though it's still not the complete offensive line they thought they would have, but at least we have seen a little bit of an upward tick here. So I'm just like, wow, well, one problem begats another, begats another, begats another. And it's like, you know, this is where you think – Jenga, and you pull out the center block, and everything falls down, and you start over. Yeah, I, I agree. And like the offensive line has stabilized a bit, and that was after they moved Mike on Wenu out to tackle, which is one of those things. It's like, why did this take so long, and why have you been so like averse to doing it? Where the second that happened, it was like, you know, they're not a perfect offensive line, but they looked a heck of a lot better than they did when they were rotating other guys at right tackle. Mm. I don't know why that was such a complicated move for them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, to, to the Jenga point, it's like this entire offense has been like, well, is it the chicken or the egg? Is it the offensive line or is it the wide receivers not getting open or is it Mac Jones not playing well? It's all of them. Like, we have enough evidence that, like, nothing on this offense has worked and nothing is 
nothing's gone well. Well, one of the things, Chris, that I liked about, you know, the piece that you wrote on Mass Live was that, you know, you quoted, uh, let me see if I can find it here. Okay, uh, Mr. Kraft says, okay, because without a good coach and a good quarterback, no matter how good the other players are, I don't think you can win consistently. Hopefully, I believe we have both, an outstanding coach and a good young prospect. Is he delusional? Yeah, that hasn't aged well, has it? No. And that, that's why, I, I mean, he has to know, though. And I, I think that's why you're going to see and we should mention, ma- major, major change. We, we should mention, put it in context, he said this, what, a year, two, year, two years ago, a year ago? That was the quote that you used uh, in the story? It was after, it was after Max rookie year. Okay. So two years ago. Yeah, so two years ago he said that. And now things have changed. And I wonder if he still believes the same way he does. And if he doesn't, that's why I offer up the three scenarios. Because clearly something has to happen. Yeah, and I, I think scenario two there, the uh, mutual parting of ways where they just go their separate ways. But I think that's where you're going to see this offseason, which seems crazy, but, you know, things have gotten that bad, and that's just the reality that the Patriots are looking at right now. Right. Are we all going to stare at the opposing sideline this Sunday in Foxborough and wonder if uh, the hoodie is going to be wearing a baby blue and, y- and gold? What a look that would be, huh? Right. Right? Are you, are you allowed to cut the sleeves off the baby blue hoodies? I don't. I, that's a great question. <laughs> I mean, I remember the first. I'm old enough to remember when I saw Vince Lombardi coach the Washington then Redskins, okay, when he left Green Bay. And I'm thinking, that doesn't work. And you know what? It didn't. It didn't. <laughs> he didn't last very long. And so, no, uh, you know. Montana. Yes. Montana in the Chiefs uniform, right? Yeah, like, oh. Where the only time this has actually worked is Brady. Right. Right. That's exactly right. Montana wearing a Chiefs uniform is like, man, that's just not right. There's something that just, you know, we, we've angered the football gods with that move. And, you know, and the moves that generally, you know, uh, don't appease the football gods usually don't work out. And with the one exception being Tom Brady, which kind of adds to the mystique and, you know, the whole, you know, Tom Brady thing. And look, I'm not one to get into the, you know, which one is better, Brady or Belichick argument. I think you can make arguments on both sides of it here. I think it just kind of underscores the fact how unique a talent Tom really was and how no one really appreciated what kind of a talent he really was until it was too late to do anything about it. And then he was already gone. And I think that's also part of the blame that, you know, Coach Belichick has to share and also the Crafts have to share in the whole TB12, you know, exiting stage south for Tampa when that happened a few years ago. Yeah, absolutely, and that was just on a two-year, $50 million deal. You know, he just wanted $25 million a deal a year, and, you know, I don't think that could have aged any worse for no. the Patriots, right? No. So that's why, you know, we, we kind of bring it back full circle here, and, you know, and where do you go from here? And, you know, I think we take it on a week-to-week basis, and I, I wouldn't be at all surprised uh, to see, uh, you know, Coach Belichick uh, continue to operate like this every week where just like Rex Ryan, you know, railed about him this week and, you know, playing, you know, uh, footsie, pardon me, I had to say that, uh, you know, <laughs> with, with the Patriots quarterbacks, uh, you know, every week. And I think that's going to continue for the rest of the year. I, I think if he's true to his word, and we've known Bill to largely be true to his word, uh, you know, and to stay pretty consistent, if not, you know, uh, uh, agonizingly consistent, uh, that each week it'll be a competition. And why shouldn't it be? Because if you're a football team that's 2-9, and nine, as this team is now, you've got to figure out what's keepable and what you need to move on from. And there's no better way to do that than to consider these last six weeks of the regular season to consider them extended preseason. 
for next year, a jump on summer of 2024. That's what they should be doing, and everybody should be fighting for a job every week. What do you think? I agree, and I think you're going to see more of that, too, where even last week you saw way more Taekwon Thornton, Kayshawn Booty than you have, where you know I think the young guys are going to get out there. Based on what we saw at practice today in the brief media window, it looked like Bailey Zappi might have jumped Mac on the depth chart here where Mac didn't throw any passes. Bailey was throwing almost the whole time. Yep. So, you know, maybe he gets a look. And at this point, I feel like those two quarterbacks are kind of competing for a backup job next year mm-hmm. where, like, I don't think either of them is going to be the starter at this time next year. But Nor do I maybe think... one of them sticks around as a backup. Yeah, yeah. Nor do I think Mac but, will yeah. be either. So, that's, you know, that's just me. I, I, I think you're just going to see open tryouts now down the line. Like, they need to know who's a keeper, who's not. Yeah, it has to be that way. That's the only logical move that really bears going forward here. And whether or not Bill adheres to that or whether or not the Crafts believe in that, I mean, I think, you know, the next six weeks should probably tell a lot. So, I mean, uh, final one for you here, Chris, and, and thanks for the time today. Uh, is the game on Sunday winnable for the New England Patriots? Ultimately, I think – See, this is like what we were talking about earlier, right, where you talk yourself into every week. Like, yeah. is Bill really going to lose to this Chargers defense? It's <laughs> been so bad. You gotta, and you do that, and you think like, you know, you think like it's five years ago, and it's not. So, hypothetically, is it winnable? Yeah. Will they win it? I don't think so. Yeah. That's kind of my same feeling. Because uh, I thought that they would beat the Giants, too. You know, I would have – I mean, if, had I been a gambling man, I, I think I would have, you know – put a large sum on the Patriots last week just based on the way things were that someone was going to get PO'd and, and just tee off. They're not capable coming, of it. Coming off a bye, no less. Yeah, like, they're, they're just they're not capable. And Bill has had a good track record through his years coming off a bye until the last couple of years. Right. Last couple of years he's been miserable coming off the bye, which is why you probably should pay attention to these things because there's something about these trends <laughs> here, right? But I, I'm just I'm, I'm kind of with you on this. I mean, I think it will take a bolt, <laughs> pardon the pun, it'll take a bolt of lightning uh, to change things. And maybe that's what these guys are waiting for. They're not taking matters into their own hands. They're waiting for something to happen, and it ain't happening. So if we get to the end of the season, then it'll happen in that, you know, uh, postseason, okay, what do we do from here meeting? And that's when the contention undoubtedly will rise, and we'll all talk about it and opine about it and won't have a single factor in it at all. Because that's just, you know, it's between, you know, it's between the muckety mucks here. Chris, thank you for the time today. Greatly appreciate it. You got it. Thanks for having me on. You got it. Chris Mason. Uh, he is uh, at Chris Mason underscore. I have to look at his Twitter. I hadn't found it. Or his X. Find it. You want to find it, Matt? He's got it right here. I want to make sure I get it right. In case you're not following him, you got to be able to follow the guy properly, right? Okay, at by Chris Mason. It was something a little different in there. Okay, so at by Chris Mason uh, on X, and that's where you can find him. Uh, Fernando Ramirez uh, will join us on the Chargers coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, Russell Baxter at the bottom of the next hour on week 13 around the NFL. And we'll get his thoughts on on coaching history and how it normally for the, 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 the greatest that have ever coached this game of the NFL, how their careers have just about all crashed and burned at the end. Maybe with one exception. We'll talk about that exception coming up with uh, Russell Baxter at the bottom of the hour. In the meantime, our good buddy Eldred. I hope you're safe in North Carolina, Eldred. How you doing there, Mr. Legend? Yeah, baby. It's all good. Get out of your freaking way, all right? 
Oh, yeah, they, they need to. But right now I'm going to go because I'm, I'm off. Okay. Start a little early if it didn't get off a little. Nice, nice. Okay, yeah. I like that. That works. Yeah. That works. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. What do you what, so 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 what do you what are you thinking about? I know because you've been on hold, so you heard most of this conversation here. I'm just kind of curious to what you think your thoughts are. Uh, I would try to trade him, but 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 like but like y'all said, he probably would want to do that. And part of the way is probably the best way, but if it has to, fire. Mm-hmm. You know, because this can't. You know, is it in? It ran this course here. Mm-hmm. You know. I can see if he, you know, has some talent here or there or did some things a little different, mm-hmm. you know, and that, you know. But the way he handled the last – I ain't going to say the years with – the last couple of years with Brady, but I'm talking about after Brady, you know. It's just atrocious. Anybody else, y'all, we've been laughing them out. Somebody run the quarterback or they, they what they normally do. It, that's that. I mm-hmm. understand he won six, uh, six Super Bowls. Ten Super Bowls appearance, one six. Well, we should have had eight <laughs> instead of six. Mm-hmm. Those two against the Giants. Mm-hmm. I can't live that down with the family because they keep giving it to me about that, right. you know. Yeah. But um, I think it's t- it's time to let go. And Troy Brown, let his butt go too. Send him away. <laughs> get get another wide receiver coach. See, I I, I I had to ask that question at the top because, quite frankly, uh, it's it's just it's almost heresy. To, to speak of, of not only Bill Belichick, but Troy Brown in that regard. Don't you think? I mean, because Brown was a, was a great player here. He was one of those guys that always did more with less. He was an undervalued, undersized guy when he first came to New England, of course. I, I think we know the story. And he was an overachiever of to the nth degree. And now, you know, in coaching, it just hasn't translated as well to the point now where, you know, he actually might be a pretty good coach. But the guys that he has, you know, in the receiver's room right now, for whatever reason, are just fundamentally flawed in some form or fashion, and Troy isn't making them any better. I don't buy that. I, I, I don't buy if, – okay, uh, sir, if you're a good coach, if you're a good coach, especially with, with wide receiver and stuff, you know, I'm going wide receiver. I'm going defense. I'm going offense. So that's what I like anyway. It's the way you get somebody. You can tell from from day one what what that guy got, and what he doesn't have, and you can work on his shortcomings. Mm-hmm. But if you ain't working with him, and it ain't showing week to week, day to day, week to week, <laughs> then you cut that guy, or you or, or you find another one. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't keep getting wide receivers. I mean, all the all the draft for the last four or five years. I, I admit Harry was a big butt. You know, Mitchell <laughs> was an outliner, mm-hmm. but everybody else that came. Uh, Douglas, he's a little bit of outliner. He just needs some little fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Okay, Troy, you played that position. Edelman, uh, no, um, what you call Welker, they played that position too. So if you play that position, you ought to know the ins and outs. But you're not helping them. You ain't, they ain't get no separation. Mm-hmm. They ain't got no spacing. And I don't, and, uh, I'm most of it's in play, play calling too. But you still got a space. When you draw a play, you got a space. Somebody running seven, eight. By running ten, somebody running twelve. Sure, and it's the way you run, or fifteen. Sure, it's the way you run. You know, but like I said, um, it's 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 on him. It's on him. Mm-hmm. Ty, Tyquan Thornton. I, I, I admit, Troy, he wasn't a speed guy, but you can't tell me you can't show him how to get off a jam. You had to. You did it all your all your life in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You had to. Mm-hmm. You know, but you can't get him off a jam. You can't. 
So say, okay, we need to motion this guy because he's like a little green bean or whatever you want to call it. He can't really get off press good, you know, and then get him out in the open and tell him, run, put that 4-2 speed to use. Don't be local like you're looking for a loaf of bread. Run. <laughs> you know, and if you don't, <laughs> sit him. Matt, you need to you need, you need to mark that because that was a very good Eldredism right there. <laughs> Eldred, it's only because we love you. We love you, and we, you know, hey, and and there are others that love you too, and so we like that. So I had to I had to give the Marine a, a little instruction here, and he saluted yeah, well, me. So. I'm passionate, passionate about the team. I know you are, and and I, and uh, just losing things, you know. It's just like I said before. Everybody scoffed me at. I'm gonna say it again. You could be the greatest coach of all time, have the greatest schemes, the greatest plays, the greatest whatever. But if you ain't got the players to, to execute that, 100%. you're just a coach holding the clipboard. 100%. You know, you dude, you're 100% right. That's all you are. Right. And, and, that's, and, and that's, that, that's what's happening this year. And, and that's, that's the thing that pains, I think, the most is that you, you have this guy who clearly, and Bill Belichick, who clearly has coached circles around people over the years. Uh, and yeah. then over the last very few years, so. yes, very much so. And over the last few years, personnel has slipped. I think attention to detail has slipped. I think that discipline has slipped. And I think this is a natural, a yes, and I think this is a natural byproduct of the aging process and the stress in the business of pro football. I think as we all get older, we all slip. And I've always told myself, and you can tell me this too, Elder, because I consider you a friend, all right? But when I slip, it's it's time for me to go, okay? I want to get out before yeah. I slip and fall and break something. That's my issue. Yes, and, and I think, my issue too. And, and I think Bill has slipped. And I wonder if when he falls, if something isn't going to break off. And I think that's kind of where we are if we're going to use that analogy here. And so, you know, do we collect what we can get for him? Or do we just kind of pat him on the back and send him off into the rocking chair? Or do we let him continue the course because his job is unfinished and because we owe it to him because he's won six trophies here in Foxborough? No way in hell. <laughs> Excuse me. Okay. No way, sir. Tell no me way. exactly how you feel, all right? Uh, uh, I gave a, a, a question to the PU group. Yep. Let's say Mr. Kraft, they, they decide to go ahead and keep things as as, as are. Mm -hmm. He come back next year. Okay. We got the top two to the six, six pick. Do you trust Bill with that pick? And I sure hell don't. Because I think he'll, 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 yeah. he'll come down. Yeah. I mean. He'll trade down, try to get this and that, that. So you miss out on the quarterback. You miss out on, on Marvin Harrison. But there is a bunch of good wide receivers in this group, especially the two guys from Texas. And uh, well, I'm a you, you know that I'm a particular fan of Xavier Worthy. Uh, but I would tell you this about Worthy. Um, yes, Worthy has issues holding onto the ball on occasion. I don't think his his uh, his ball safety is is very good. Um, I think he's I think he's you know like you described. Sometimes he carries it like a loaf of bread. Bread. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I saw that one game played. But, I forgot who they played, but I saw that too. Yeah, but there, there, there is there is no doubt in my mind. Watch the Big Twelve championship game this week. There's no doubt in my mind that he probably is the fastest guy with a football in his hands in the country in college football. 
And I would love to see Xavier Worthy and Texas match up in the playoff against Georgia in particular because I think Texas is the one team that matches up with Georgia based on what I've seen of these two teams this year. And why can't we get a, a talent like that? Because I think he would be available likely in the second round. In the second, second and third. Yeah, I've yeah. seen yeah. some of the pre-drafts. Like I'm working on my board a little bit. Yeah. But I also like Johnny Wilson out of out of my, out of my college. I like Florida State. Mm-hmm. I hate Coach Jordan uh, – Jordan Travis got hurt mm-hmm. because he was, he was going to go into he was going rising up and they undefeated. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how, how it's going to look out, you know, work out the rest of the season since he's down. But I'm hoping that we 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 be fighting for the championship right. against Georgia or whoever. I got to tell you, I, I don't I don't like your chances uh, after Jordan went down. I just don't like the chances overall. I don't either. After Jordan went down, I don't either. Yeah, I don't either. But uh, but the other but Johnny Wilson, six seven outside, got a little speed. And like I said, he's going in the top top second round, second second round, okay. not third second. Okay. And then uh, like I got my little board or whatever. Yep. And I'm going I'm going to text it to you. Okay. Maybe about a couple more days. I'm still looking. Okay. Still whatever. All right. I'll look back wise. Yeah, I look forward to seeing that. I like I like Penix. I like Penix. Penix, yeah. Out of Washington mm-hmm. because he's accurate. If I keep saying all thing he got is a long ball. No, I like the fact that he's a lefty. He can throw it immediately. Yeah, I like yeah, it. I like he's, he's a, yeah, yeah, exactly. I got to tell you, the guy that's impressed me the most overall this year, the guy that's impressed me the most, and I didn't think he had it in him, but maybe it's because he has the supporting talent. Is Bo Nix? Bo Nix? No, I'm not impressed. Why? <laughs> Why? Oregon? I'm not impressed. Well, oh, just just because oh, of the offense that I'm they run at Oregon. Offense and just. I don't know. It, it, he, he played somebody, and he just a couple couple good teams, and it just didn't look right. You know, uh. Uh-uh. But there's uh-uh. a guy that you could but, pick up, you know, in in the in you know after the first round, I think. Third, Although he might be working himself, round. he might be working himself into that equation before all of a sudden, especially if Oregon, you know, ends up winning the title. Yeah. Yeah, because he is working his way up. Because, uh, yeah, right. Yeah. Correct. Right. But all right. No, no, another another conversation for another day. We'll 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 worry about that yeah, another sir. day. Right. All right, sir. You have a good one. All right, brother. Yeah, yeah. Love you, buddy. Eldred in North Carolina. Driving that truck. Get the hell out of his way. Um, Fernando Ramirez covers the uh, Los Angeles Chargers for um, uh, the Sporting Tribune, and he's kind enough to join us from the left coast here inside the Patriots Playbook. Hey, Fernando. John Rook here in Foxborough. Thanks for the time today, brother. Hey, John. uh, Thank you so much for having me. And and, uh, hey, it's 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 around twelve o'clock. We're barely getting up uh, over here. On the coast, so. <laughs> oh, oh, stop it! <laughs> I know, right? Sun's just come up this morning. <laughs> I haven't had my coffee yet. I know. Believe me, I get it. So I, I'm kind of curious uh, because it seems to me that more than than one or two people are probably going to think as they watch this game unfold on Sunday here in, on the East Coast that, um, wow, wouldn't it be weird if Bill Belichick is standing on that sideline next year? Has that thought crossed anybody's mind at all from a Charger perspective over the course of the last, oh, I don't know, two to four weeks? I, I think it's uh, crossed their minds ever since 2001 when <laughs> he, uh, when they started winning championships over there. But, uh, I mean, when it comes to the media aspect of it, the team and everything, no. I mean, everybody's just focused on finishing the season and seeing how everything kind of lays out. But when you look on Twitter and social media, yeah, fans are throwing out his name. They're throwing out Jim Harbaugh. They're throwing out Dan Quinn, names like that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the fans are talking about it. But when it comes to everybody else, everybody's just focused. The Chargers are obviously focused on 
trying to run the table and squeeze into the playoffs like they did kind of uh, at the end of last season. Yeah. Well, I was just going to ask you that because after losing this past week, uh, they're what, 4-7 and seven now, correct? Yes. So this team is 4-7. and seven. How realistic is it, considering what they have left on the schedule, uh, for them to work themselves back into a position they were in a year ago? To be completely honest, I just don't see it. I, you don't have Mike Williams. You don't have Corey Lindsley. Josh Palmer, you don't know what's going on with him. Uh, the uh, the offensive line's a mess. The running game can't get going. The defense, uh, yeah, they played well against the Ravens, but they just have not been good at all this season. And that's kind of Brandon Staley's MO. He's a defensive mind, and it just hasn't gotten going this year. So it's not the same team as it was last year. I think last year they they were they had a favorable end to the schedule. I mean, they played Nick Foles. Uh, they faced Ryan, uh, beat up kind of Ryan Tannehill. The Dolphins had just come back from being thrashed by the 49ers. So mm-hmm. they had some favorable stuff all their way. I just don't think it's going to happen. I Honestly, I've, I've been saying this lately. I don't know if they win another game this year. Just that's how that's how tough this is. Uh, this last uh, stretch of the season, it's, you play Denver twice. You go to the Raiders. It's just uh, you play the Bills. So it's just a tough ending to this schedule. So it's going to be very difficult to find a win or two and much less six. Like that's just uh, it's going to be very tough. Well, then it sounds to me like we might have a. We might have a stare down at the OK Corral, known as Gillette Stadium, this Sunday with two teams that really shouldn't win another game for the rest of the year, to be quite honest with you. I mean, yeah, you're, you're completely right. And the thing is, is that the Chargers have struggled this year. And, and I mean, lately on offense, it's been the Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert show. Yeah. Other than that, no other offensive guy has kind of stepped up to, uh, to help out the offense. I mean, there's been little contribution here, there. But it hasn't been consistent. That's the one thing. Justin and Keenan have been consistent, but there's no other weapon on there. So I totally, I fully expect uh, Bill Belichick to try and take away Keenan Allen uh, on Sunday and, and let everybody else beat him. Yeah, well, that certainly has been the uh, you know the descriptive form that Bill has been known for. But unfortunately, of late, it just seems like Bill can't get out of his own way. Uh, based on what the offense has done, uh, you know, and I would tell you that defensively, while they're, you know, the Patriots are missing arguably their two best athletes in, in Judon and, and Gonzalez, uh, you know, that they've been respectable. They haven't really been burnt. I, I think they, they tend to play really soft in the uh-huh. defensive backfield, and I think we saw that this last week uh, because Tommy DeVito for the Giants actually, you know, threw for, you know, damn near 200 yards on him, and I'm just like, wow. It was just, so Justin Herbert could have a field day if the Patriots' defense is playing, you know, soft zone coverage, and I almost think that they do that just so they don't get beat over the top. But it, it, it's it's maddening to get yourself in position where you can make a stop and get off the field and to allow this this kind of thing to happen. What do you feel like is the best thing right now that the Chargers do for themselves on the field over 60 minutes? Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert, to be honest. I mean, that combination, Keenan Allen's on pace right now to have his best season as a pro at 31 years old. I mean, he's at 1,179 yards. He uh, he has seven touchdowns and and in the last three games, he's had 175, 116, and 106. Mm-hmm. So he really is playing at a at a high level. That has to be the most. Po- that's probably the one positive thing that you kind of take away from this season. And obviously, on the defensive side of the football, Khalil Mack, uh, he's on pace also to have uh, a career year. He has 13 sacks. He's two away from tying his career high. 
and three away from uh, surpassing that. And then he's three and a half back away from 100 in his career. So uh, He might get that this so. weekend. <laughs> you think so? He might. He might, Whoa. and I'm not, and I'm really not trying to be funny. I'm really not. I, yeah. you know, I, I really think, you know, because Mac is a guy that I've always liked. I thought, I think his talent is off the charts, but I'm just like, wow. I mean, if I'm the Chargers and I really want to win a game and I want to stop the naysayers, I'm just like, you know, hey, we're four and seven. We got to make something happen here. Let's go, and I'm turning him loose. Yeah. No. Well, and the thing is too is that uh, Mac. I mean, from an outsider looking in. It's like that that first year with Josh McDaniels, everything was set up correctly for him. Mm-hmm. McDaniels leaves, and it's like everything else has kind of been up and down with him. So I think uh, that kind of hurt him. But, um, but yeah, I'm sure the Chargers will try and throw the kitchen sink at, at him and, and pressure him to try and cause turnovers. But the Chargers' corners have had a, uh, a rough go of it. I mean, we saw um, last week that Brandon Staley benched uh, Michael Davis in, in favor of Dean Leonard. And uh, and Jazier Taylor, their slot corner, also uh, barely saw any play. It was it was other guys that came up and and uh, played. And he said, "We're going to try and be. We're going to have competition in here. We're not just going to let guys go out there and play if they're hurting us." And Michael Davis against the uh, against the Packers had two plays where he just missed. Uh, he whiffed on tackles, and another one was miscommunication with him and Kenneth Murray. So um, so it just it, little things are what's beating this team. I mean. Realistically, they could be nine and two, or, or or ten and one, or right something around there. But they just have not been able to close out uh, late games, which right. has uh, really hurt them. And it sounds a lot like what's happened in New England, except you just got you know a different quarterback and a little more offense. Uh, again, Fernando Ramirez, who covers the Chargers for the Sporting Tribune, joining us here in the playbook. So I- I'm wondering how you feel Coach Daly has done with what he has had to work with this year. Has he lived up to it? Has he coached down to it? Uh, has he underperformed? What What has he done with the available talent? If I can be completely honest, uh, he's kind of followed the script of head coaching tenures under Tom, general manager Tom Telesco. Mike McCoy, Anthony Lynn, two good seasons to start off their career. In the third one, it starts going downhill. That's kind of been the, the thing here. I mean, first year, uh, they're 9-8. and eight. They uh, missed the playoffs by, uh, by a missed tackle, by uh, a missed tackle that led to a field goal from the Raiders. And then, uh, and then last year, the, you, everybody knows about the, what happened in Jacksonville, so they, but they made the playoffs. And that's just kind of been the M.O. of, of uh, co- head coaches that under uh, Tom Telesco. Mm-hmm. Mike McCoy, the same thing, two good years. Uh, it went downhill after the third or in, during the third one. Anthony Lynn, same thing. So um, I, the thing about Brandon Staley is, is that his defense has steadily declined in the, in the three years that he's been here. And it's kind of like, well, that's where you spent all your money. You went out, you got J.C. Jackson. You went out, you got Sebastian Joseph Day. You went out, you traded for Khalil Mack. Uh, the one move that looks like it was completely uh, – the the smartest move was trading for Khalil Mack. I mean, the guy still has a lot left in the tank. And, I mean, at 13 sacks right now, I mean, you you got to be really impressed at his age, uh, him still playing like that. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see what, what happens moving forward. But the, just, the defense has not played up to it. The, uh, the, the offense is banged up and – and uh, I know they came next man up mentality, but the next man up hasn't really helped yeah. uh, this team move along. And, and I know there's frustration because, uh, I mean, 
the struggles of Quentin Johnson, but then Zay Flowers comes in here and he scores two touchdowns against you. So obviously you're kind of like, well, where did they go wrong with this? So um, it's just it's kind of been interesting to see the way his third year has kind of developed. But steadily the defense has declined, in my opinion. Well, uh, I can see a lot of similarities, a lot of parallels between what the Chargers are going through right now and what the Patriots are also right now going through. And it looks like there's going to be some sort of a meeting of the minds, maybe on, on both sides, front offices, you know, once, you know, this, uh, you know, competitive season is, has, uh, has ended and then the offseason competition begins. How are they stacked up in terms of uh, the, the salary cap and being able to go out and, and attack free agency? And, and do you think they even want to do that? I mean, to be completely honest, it's just going to depend on who, if Tom Palesco is right. still here or, if, yeah, who's running it. But right now they're strapped for it because they decided to uh, or like um, push back Khalil Mack, uh, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Joey Bosa's contract. And it just feels like they're, they're $42 million over the cap next year, so it feels like wow. two or maybe even three of those guys will not be here next year. Right. And as of right now, I mean, if I'm the Chargers, uh, I'm pushing to try and keep Khalil Mack and keep Keenan Allen because those two guys have just been monumental for their season. This year. I mean, without those two guys this year, uh, this uh, this team has probably only won one or two games. Just that That's that's how important those guys have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, free agency, I, I just don't know how they're going to attack it. I mean, they need help everywhere. They need tight end help. That's why uh, Georgia's Brock Bowers looks like a good uh, – he would be a solid addition for this team. Um, it's funny because, you like, when Justin was in his rookie year, he really went to Hunter Henry on third down. Hunter Henry and Keenan Allen were his third, uh, third down security blankets. And you could tell he misses having a Hunter Henry kind of style of player. Um, so go get him a tight end. I, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, yeah. we, we'll trade you Mike Gesicki for a fat burger. <laughs> hey, I know you guys, I thought you were say in and out. I know you guys. Well, that in and out too. I love, I, but me, when I'm in LA, I, I like fat burgers myself. So that's, oh, but that's just, go. that's just me. You guys wouldn't miss the gritty. I mean, I haven't had a chance to see the gritty. What the hell is that? <laughs> I haven't even seen it. <laughs> Holy smokes! <laughs> this is this hasn't been a gritty kind of year. I got to tell you, you know. Wow. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. And when when team when bad teams score touchdowns and you see them dancing, you're kind of like, I don't know. I don't know if you want to be dancing out there just because it hasn't been that kind of year. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, please don't dance. But, yeah, they, this, team, <laughs> this team has holes. Uh, they have a lot of holes that they're going to need to uh, fix uh, before or going into next season. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and they're kind of strapped for cash. So uh, they're going to have to have a brilliant uh, draft, which they really haven't had in a long time. Yeah. Sounds like that. That sounds like it to me. Well, hey, Fernando, I really appreciate the time today. This gives us a little bit of insight. It does look. Hey, I've, I got another trade for you. Uh, how about okay. Mac Jones for um, Justin Herbert? <laughs> I, I don't think anybody <laughs> over here would make that. No, I mean, I, this fan base. This yeah, fan base loves yeah. uh, loves uh, Justin <laughs> Herbert. But I saw that Bill Belichick had some really nice things to say about. Uh, yep. Yep. about Justin Herbert, and you could tell... Well, that's, uh, that's because he's going to coach him next year. <laughs> so you think this weekend's an audition? It might be. Might be. I, uh, hey, you know, it's, uh, here's a fun fact. 
He's only two years younger than De- than owner Dean Spanos. Really? Bill Belichick. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. They are in there. Yeah. Okay. Well, then maybe, you know, hey, maybe they decide to hook up like, uh, you know, uh, Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick did. Who knows? I'm just I saying. Mean, you, you, you do need a culture changer. I mean, they haven't had it since Marty Schottenheimer. When Marty Schottenheimer came in here, he changed everything. Like, yep. I heard one, one quick story. I heard sure. that one day they came out sluggish out of the locker room. Uh, they weren't practicing well. An hour into practice, Marty says, you know what? Everybody go back into the locker room, get out of your gear, get back into your street clothes, and then we're going to jump back into our gear, and we're going to come back out here, and we're restarting practice. And then everybody's like, are you serious? And he, and he started cussing up a storm, <laughs> and everybody ran everybody ran in, uh, changed, and then changed back and came out and had a great practice. So, uh, so yeah, so you, you, you need uh, somebody like that to kind of – change uh what's going on and who knows maybe maybe he is but as of right now i mean i gotta tell you their guy I, I gotta tell you i and sure i understand that uh, and you know it wouldn't surprise me if it stayed that way uh, but then again nothing would surprise me in the nfl these days but i said this yeah. early in our show today that i'm of the opinion that the chargers organization based on what little we know being here on the east coast chargers organization looks like somebody that could use an attitude change an attitude adjustment uh, a, a bump yeah. up in stock because not only you you know, are you talking about the entire NFL, or you know, you know, talking about you know the uh, the uh, uh, the league? But you're talking about in the city of Los Angeles against the Rams too. I mean, you got to yeah. you, you fight for you know uh, newspaper time, airtime of the TV, airtime of the radio, uh, you know, uh, airtime, you know, everywhere. You fight for time. Right I'm sure now, inside right. the stadium. Yeah, no, and right now you're getting it for negative reasons. I mean, right, everybody's starting off with the Chargers. Right, but it's a trash. It's to trash the owner. Trash the general manager, trash the coach, and even trash, people have been trashing the quarterback. And it's like, really, like this kid, this kid's talented, but like you said, attitude adjustment. Yeah. So, but but maybe a Massachusetts guy like John Cena could come in here and give this team an attitude <laughs> adjustment. How do you like that one? I'm a, I'm a WWE guy, as you can tell. Yes, I noticed there on your on your X feed. Yep, absolutely, hundred percent. I see. Uh, oh yeah, see, I see Triple H right there already. So we're we're all set. I like it. John Cena would be a good addition. It'd be a total good addition. There you go. Yep. Hey, Fernando, really appreciate the chat, man. Thanks for the stories. Thanks for the insight. Appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much, and uh, happy holidays to everybody. Thank you so much. Same to you. Same to you. Fernando Ramirez, you can follow him at Real F. Ramirez, R-E-A-L-F-R-A-M-I-R-E-Z on X. That's where you find him. Uh, writes for the Sporting Tribune. He covers the Los Angeles Chargers. I haven't slipped once today and called them the San Diego Chargers. Not once. That's good. I'm proud of myself. Better than Bill. Yeah, right. Did he do that today? Holy crap. See? Man. Yikes, huh? 855-PATS-500. Russell Baxter joins us in just a little bit. Uh, Jake is calling us from the land down under, Australia. Hey, Jake, how are you? You're in the playbook. G'day, guys. How you going? G'day. G'day, mate. How are you? Not too bad. Just getting ready for work to uh, shoot off for the day. Okay. Shoot off. What's the temperature down there? It's the summertime, right? It's meant to be summer, but where I am now, we've had nothing but rain for the last two days. Oh, that sucks. Sorry. That's so nice and fun, but it's what it is. Yeah, of course, of course. So tell me, uh, t- get, yeah, give me your perspective. Uh, tell me what you do with Bill. I mean, all of the above. What are you thinking here? Uh, Bill, I think his time is done, depending on whether he gets sacked or traded, whichever way. I feel like, yeah, we need to start fresh all the way through. 
Yeah, and I think that's probably uh, the overwhelming sentiment, but I think we also have to realize uh, reality, and the reality is that the Crafts own this team. The Crafts are going to be forever indebted to Bill Belichick for you know, basically turning their $170 million investment into something that's worth currently $7 billion uh, in U.S. dollars, of course. But, hey, no matter what dollar it is, that's a heck of a lot of chump change. And so, you know, and, and, and when you have, you know, the trophies and, you know, you have the cachet and you have, you know, people taking pot shots at you because, you know, now you stink. I mean, that just tells me that you've been somewhere and you like where you've been and you're indebted to the guy who brought that to you. And that's Bill Belichick. And that's why this is not an easy decision. It, that, all of that is so true. But at the end of the day, where does the business side of it come in for them and to where they say, right, we haven't won for the last five years now. Yeah. We want to go forward. Yeah. No, I listen, I'm with you on that one. And I think a lot of people, you know, no matter where you are on this planet, and if you follow the Patriots at all, a lot of these people are realizing, you know, love Bill. Very happy for Bill. God bless Bill. But it's time we got to move on because all good things do come to an end. I mean, it's just that way throughout history. So, I mean, the Roman Empire didn't last forever either. So, you know, the Patriots Empire has, has fallen after 20 years. And that's just how it works nowadays. So it shouldn't be, well, how do we keep the empire? It's like, how do we reestablish it? How do we, you know, build it back up from the ashes that it has gone through over the last couple of years? And is Bill the guy that can be the architect to bring us back to where we were? And I would argue now that I think the, the, in a lot of ways— uh, the, the, the best way is to come in with uh, a fresh new attitude and uh, thought process in terms of building. Because, look, this is all recycled stuff. No, nobody's, nobody's a freaking genius anymore, okay? Everybody, you know, borrows and steals and does this and does that from other people that they've worked with and worked for. Bill did that through all of his coaching influence over the years. A lot of his, you know, success he knows he owes to Bill Parcells, for that matter. So it's that way all throughout coaching. This is a very much uh, a sport where everybody bastardizes everybody else. And I mean that in, the, in a positive sense. But every once in a while you get a genius. Every once in a while you get a trendsetter. Every once in a while, you get a, a Mouse Davis who creates the run-and-shoot offense, and you know, or you go five wide and you learn how to make it work in the NFL because for years the National Football League was nothing but three yards and a cloud of dust and, you know, and let's just grind it out and let's beat people you know, 21 to 17, and that's the way it worked. And then, of course, the game has changed over the last 30 years or so with more offense, and all of a sudden people are getting smart, and they're saying, well, if we do this, why can't we do this? You know, if we can do this, then why don't we split this guy out and why don't we go get guys that run four twos and yada, yada, and it evolves. And I think lately, Jake, we've seen the game begin to evolve back toward more of a defensive standpoint. We're seeing more and more supercharged offenses really um, find that they have difficulty, especially if they don't have the right trigger, you know, signal caller. It's just that thing trying to find that fine line of, of column A and a bit of column B. Yes. And so unless you've got somebody who can throw those darts, uh, you're going to struggle with some of this offense. And I think the Patriots are in this transformation right now. Mac is not the guy that they need to run it. Um, it's unfortunate. We've seen that. But I think this year has pretty much told us a lot about that. Uh, and the question now is, build the guy to run it. 
And and I listen, I know why a lot of people feel like you do. I really do. I understand it. I just don't know if that is the best way to go about it here. And I guess maybe we'll know a little bit more in about six weeks. I think we'll we'll uh cross our fingers and our toes and hope for the very best. Yeah, I mean that's all we can really do, right? Who's worth keeping? Who's who's worth keeping? Who 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 are your favorite players? Who do you feel like this team can help build on? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> I mean, do, definitely do you, Stevenson. Yeah, yeah. Even though running backs are everywhere. Yeah, dime a I dozen, like right? We should definitely have him. Yeah, I would agree with that. No, I yeah. I think Ramondre is worth keeping. I'll be honest with you. I think Ezekiel Elliott would be worth keeping. You know, because he's good as a change of pace guy, and you know, and he can still show he's got a little life left in his legs. I don't think they'll resign him, but I think if they did, I wouldn't have an issue with it. I certainly wouldn't have an issue if they. Yeah, I wouldn't have an issue if they resigned Hunter Henry. I wouldn't have an issue with that at all because I think he's got some talent. I think Mike Gesicki can pound sand. Uh, I think that there are some other there are some other guys in that offensive line that can pound sand. I think Owenu is probably a guy that if they keep him out of tackle, there's a guy that you know could be there. Uh, for you, I'm not sure Trent Brown is, but then again, if you don't, I'm happy, happy for Brown to go. Well, I think you got to keep him. I know you got him under contract. I think for one more year. I don't have the contracts of the, the stats in front of me here, but yeah. I think you got to keep him. We've got to keep him. We've got to keep him. But we'd yeah, be happy if he if he didn't come back. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't know. Nobody's going to lose any sleep, but I think you need to have at least somebody who's got experience playing the position and maybe draft a tackle. And I think then you, you know, work on a three person rotation or whatever. Uh, you know, I think the guards will be okay. I think we all like the, you know, the centers. So, I mean, I think the line is really one player away from solidifying itself somewhat. Um, you could use, you know, another tight end. And obviously, as far as the wide receiving core is concerned, look, I don't really care if I see any of those guys back. I really don't. Yeah. If, if they go, yeah. uh, I wish them well, but it didn't work here. And I don't know if that's more because they don't have the talent or because the offensive scheme just is not fitting what they do. It yeah. might be both. might be a little both. So it kind of adds to the frustration. I wrote a column earlier this week about, you know, how, you know, and I sort of said it halfway tongue-in-cheek and halfway in jest that I really didn't think this, this Patriot team was that far away. And people are, like, looking at me and rolling their eyes. And I'm like, well, wait, 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 hold on. Hear me out. Hear me out. They're really not that far away because when you consider what this team has done defensively, and, again, I know they're not playing, you know, championship contenders every week. But when you consider what they've done defensively without arguably their two best, maybe even inarguably, their two best players on the defensive side of the ball, they've held people down. They've held teams down. The defensive line is solid. The linebacking core is improved. Because the last couple of years, they, they, they couldn't guard me coming out of the backfield. Um, the defensive backfield is where they have the issues right now, largely because Christian Gonzalez, I think, kind of raises everybody's game. I think he makes everybody better. But they play way too soft, and they're playing a lot, uh, way too much zone, and that's how teams are beating them. And I can't believe that the Patriots don't realize that because they continue to play soft zone coverage, and it just stinks to high heaven. So, that's the old day. Didn't have any McCordy replacement, and now we're trying to throw bits and pieces everywhere. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But they really don't. They they it's, we're talking about a few tweaks and a few key ads here, and you have to hope that in free agency. And I expect the Patriots to be active in free agency. They should be because they've got enough cap room to play with. Then uh, I 
you know, wow, I expect them to be active. They just have to make the right choices because when they, you know, went into free agency a couple of years ago, other than Matt Judon, right? You know, they're just they're just. Uh, but coming back to buying brand names and not uh, off shelf, yeah, off market players. Yeah, 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 and 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 honestly. I'm okay with the philosophy of, of trying to find underpriced, undervalued free agents, guys that play with a chip on the shoulder, because that's really how we all know. If you follow this team at all, you know that's how the quote-unquote Patriot way was built, on the backs of those guys. You know, the, the undersized, the Teddy Bruskies of the world is what I'm thinking of, right? And, and, and they came in and they and turned out spectacularly. And I think you need to if you're if, if Bill's going to be here, that's the way you got to go. If Bill's not going to be here, then I think the Crafts have to realize, you know what, we're going to have to open up the pocketbook, and we're going to have to go out and get some of these high-priced guys, and we're going to have to see if we can, you know, coach them up the way that they want to be coached. Which means then you got to go find the right coach for the right mentality for today's player. And I don't even know if Bill's that guy either, because this is a different player today than it was 20 years ago when he first started coaching here. And then that's where it comes in too. 20, 20 years ago when the when we had the dynasty starting, people wanted to come and play for us. Yes. This day yes. and age, if Bill's still here, are yep. people going to want to come and play for Bill knowing that the last four or five seasons, six even, have been yeah, I don't, okay average at best? Right, I don't know. And, and that's a great question. Uh, you, you ask a very good question. And, and the answer to that is I don't think so. Because they're like, A, all right, first of all, the Patriots, you know, uh, stink on ice, number one. And number two, how much longer is Bill going to be here? So why why would New England be considered a destination point right now? They're not. And I think that's got to be, and I'm glad you brought that up, Jake, because that, that's got to be a major consideration for the Crafts when they decide if Bill is still our guy. Because if you can't attract, you know, as my grandmother used to say, if you can't attract flies with honey, all you got left is vinegar, and you're not going to attract flies. That's a great thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But it's true. If you got nothing to offer, guys, why do they want to come with you when, you know, they might be able to get, you know, uh, um, maybe a little less money somewhere else, but they got a chance to win? See, that's, that's my whole yeah. thing. And so that's why I was pointing out this week. I said, you know what? Okay, that's a legitimate argument, but – on the defensive side of the ball, I don't think the Patriots are really all that far away. You put a healthy Matt Judon and a healthy Christian Gonzalez back into the fold, and if you can keep things relatively healthy where you got them right now, you're competitive. You have a top 10 defense in the NFL. You have a top 10 defense. Maybe, arguably, top five or six. I think they're eighth in rush defense right now without those two guys. So, I mean, uh, you're, you've still got an opportunity here to be competitive. And I think, you know, the major issues all lie on the other side of the ball and, and whether or not Bill is the guy that can fix those problems. What else you got, Jake? Uh, we'll speak, uh, what else? The, the re-signing of Will Green to the practice squad? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you know, if you're going to re-sign him, great. Let's see what he's got. Give him a shot. Because that's what, a, that's, what, that's what the next six weeks have to be. Time. Yeah, that's what the next six weeks have to be. The next six weeks have to be an extended – uh, summer training camp. That's what it has to be. It has to be run so with that kind of a mindset. Be, is he going to be our, a backup next year, so to speak? Yeah, that's exactly right. So they just keep training him in the way of the uh, Patriots to keep him here and shoo everyone else off. Yeah, 
That's 100% right. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if Mac's not a part of it, then even though he's under contract, I think he should be uh, kept around at least as a backup or a stopgap. But, you know, is one of these two guys, you know, whether it's Bailey or Cunningham or even Will Greer, one of these guys, you know, potential to stick around as a potential backup. Uh, you're not looking at a long-term starter here. That's That may be more than just a year down the line, depending on where you draft and who you draft. So many Eastern questions on which way we can go and can't go. And oh. Yes, sir. You are correct. Hey, I appreciate you taking the time. Whereabouts in Australia are you calling from? I'm in Bendigo, which is about an hour and a half away from Melbourne. Oh, okay. Excellent. Excellent. The Olympics are coming to Melbourne in the not too far distant future. Yeah, that's uh, how can I use that? Yeah. <laughs> that one failed to get to your outpost, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you, Jake. Thanks for being a fan. Thanks, thanks for taking the call, John. Absolutely, 100%. Don't be a stranger. Jake's in Australia. Hey, Patriots fans, if you want to see Toyota's best offers, including those not seen on TV, go to buyatoyota.com. It's Toyota's official website for deals from the official vehicle of the New England Patriots, Toyota. Let's go places. And Bridgestone, the official tire of the New England Patriots, proud to partner with Sullivan Tire, New England's headquarters for quality Bridgestone tires. Visit SullivanTire.com to find a location near you. A real woman could stop you from drinking. It has to be a real big woman. It's time to go around the NFL with football guru Russell Baxter. Now on, your name is Flounder. On Patriots Playbook. Flounder. How are we doing today, Flounder? Um, well, uh, I feel a lot in my soul. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you pre- You know what? One thing I always love about you, Russell, when we talk is you've always got an answer. <laughs> yeah. You are never, never at a loss for words, which is remarkable. Good on well, you, you, brother. It, it, it's so funny you said that because um, one of my favorite things that my mother ever said to me um was I took her out to lunch just a long, obviously a long time ago. She, she uh, went back to heaven in 1998. Mm-hmm. And um, so we're out to lunch one day, and I don't even remember what it was of what I said to something she said. And she just paused and looked at me and said, you're just compelled to make a comment, aren't you? <laughs> well, of course. And I, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but, there, but there's, there's a method behind the madness because it is to elicit a smile. Yeah. It is to make someone laugh. Yeah. Um, and it's never to be insulting. It is never at anyone's expense. It's a play on words. I have a lot of George Carlinism in me <laughs> uh, playing with words and stuff. I thought he was an absolute genius. He was, by the way. Yeah. I, 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 I get, you know, God rest his soul. I could listen to George Carlin do all of his routines over again almost daily. Because the, the well, he did yeah. he did a spiel on airport terminology, which I know you've heard. Mm-hmm. And the highlight of the entire thing yep. is when he said, and I I, can't, I gotta I gotta bleep myself. Mm-hmm. He said, "You know how they tell you to get on the plane? Get yep. on the plane! Get yep. on the plane!" Right. F you, I'm getting in the plane. <laughs> then he said, then he said, let evil Knievel get on the plane. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's very true. 
but it was, I mean, it was jumbo shrimp and um, all, the, all the different things he came out with. And then, you know, he turned around and did some other acting later in his career. He did some stuff with, uh, yeah, I think, Thomas the, the, the Train. <laughs> I think he, was, he played like Mr. Conductor for them or something like he that. He did. And, he did. And, and and you know that because you have a daughter who probably yeah. watched it on television, right? Yes. And I have two boys who watched it on television. Yeah, yeah but I got to watch it. I got to watch it, too. Yeah. So. Oh, of course we did. Well, hey, you know, uh, you know, I consider, you know, us, you know, we, we lived through the, you know, the, the, the days and the wars of watching Barney, for God's sake, uh, right? I know. Maureen, you doing that right now? You, are your kids into I, Barney? Are you kidding? No, 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 never, not really. I, not no? really. But it's I, bluey now. Oh, for blue, a long time, bluey. I felt like Selena Gomez lived with us. So <laughs> yeah, right. You know, a lot of the Disney Channel stuff. But uh, uh, Carlin, he, he did a he did a funny movie, Car Wash, which was actually I think based on the song. And then some people remember this. He had a semi-traumatic role in The Prince of Tides. With Nick Nolte oh. and Barbara Streisand. Yeah, you know what? I had forgotten that. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he was abs- absolute comedic genius. Yes. Now, absolutely. If, uh, all based on wordplay. Yeah, all on wordplay. And you know, I wonder if he, if he knows now, God rest his soul, as you said, yep. that a couple of his seven words you can't say on TV, or I think the list is reduced now. Yeah, it's probably down to about five now, yeah. right? Just because of the, you know, just because of the standards have changed, and I don't know if we've progressed or regressed. I can't, I can't yet decide. I think we've probably done a little of each, right? Well, at least we're not grunting. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I That's know. one way. Although we're not far off sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, the, the, one of the few times that I remember laughing until I cried was his whole play on um, – I can't really say this delicately uh, – uh, so I probably shouldn't go there, but it was his play. His his play on uh, going to the bathroom. Oh. Do you remember that one? No, I don't. And now I have to go dig it out. Yeah, you're gonna. I, yeah, you're gonna have to go Google that. House, yeah, go YouTube that one. Okay, go. In you- my house when I was, we, you know, we saw his HBO specials when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. But we had we had Class Clan, the album that oh. we played. Mm-hmm. And we had a, bunch, a couple of Cheech and Chong albums that we played. You know, we all you know, Cheech and Dave, Chong. He's not here. Those guys, you know? those guys are those guys are in high heaven now, literally and figuratively, right now because they're all out there selling CBD gummies, right? Oh my God! I mean, talk about a reaper. I mean, it's like I mean they're like they're like the Ben and Jerry of cannabis. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Hey, how was Thanksgiving? I hope it was good for you and your family. No, it was good. It was it, it was relaxing. It was you know much better than it was for uh, for me than it was like the Lions and the and the Commanders. And I was a little surprised by that, to be honest with you, because they normally they normally ultra competitive on on their day, and yet, man, I the I, the, the Lions and the Packers game stunned me. Um, they've been playing with fire on defense, and then when you turn around and. You know, people look at the stat line a lot of times with quarterbacks. Oh, I mean, Jared Goff didn't throw an interception. Yeah, but he, he fumbled three times and he lost all three. And one of them turned into a touchdown. And as you well know, the Lions defense has been playing with fire. They survived the Chargers 41-38. Mm-hmm. They needed 17 late points to get past the Bears, 31-26. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they give up 29 points, albeit one of them was a defensive touchdown. Um, but th- that's a lot of points to give up. And it, 
it was funny. And, and, and you know, people like to talk about schedules and who's this and who's that and so on. Um, then combine what happened on Monday night in Minnesota. And the Bears and the Packers, now the Bears are further back. Green Bay is now on the heels of the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah. Hmm. So, but you know, Detroit hasn't wrapped up anything yet. They, you know, they have another game with Chicago. Um, I think they have a game with Dallas. They have two with Minnesota in the final three weeks. So, um, and the NFC is this. This will this will um, really surprise you, John. I I, I think it will. Um, the NFC as a conference has five teams with winning records. That's Wait it. a second. Five teams? Just five? Five teams with winning records. And unless Seattle does something dramatic on Thursday night at Dallas, it's going to be four. They're going to be six and six if they lose. Wow. That, wow. You know, and listen, a lot of that is obviously in their conference this year. Um, with the AFC playing a big hand and those losing wins were non-winning. The NBA, every once in a while we see a team win the division with a losing record. The NFC South is on course to do it a second straight year. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the worst. I, mean, I can't do it. I was going to do like the Civil War thing, the worst performance by the South. <laughs> so, okay. I can understand. Yeah. Maybe, maybe okay, I, I, can, I can say maybe the legal act, the NFC South to succeed. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe they should. Yeah, I know, right? Oh goodness! All right, so let's let's uh, let's at least um, we'll come back and hit the Patriots and the Chargers in a little bit. But I know that in terms of you know teams trying to separate themselves from you know pretending to contending here over the last six weeks of the regular season, um, this is a real grind for a lot of uh, the teams that consider themselves contenders. Uh, because they're all trying to work through, you know, the bumps, the bruises, the aches, the pains, the attrition, next man up, all that kind of stuff. And so this is where they really do separate themselves, right about this time of year. Everybody's by their bye week. You know, everybody's playing just about every week. So, I mean, and and you've got a lot of divisional matchups that are, are soon to come as well. Mm-hmm. And and so this, you know, this is the teams that are equipped are usually the ones that are ready to roll. And you've got um, – Geez, I think the Thursday game this week, you got Seattle playing at Dallas. Uh, you know, the Cowboys are that, you know, the, the one team that always seems to have the talent and yet always seems to manage to underachieve at the right moment. Uh, a couple of games that I'm looking at right off the top on Sunday, you know, the Lions have to go out on the road and prove themselves at the Saints. Uh, what else am I looking at? The Steelers just, you know, you know, had their uh, comeuppance a little bit. They've got to try to go back home and defend. Uh, the Dolphins. May or may not have the cakewalk everybody thinks they have, where they have to go play at Washington this week. How good are the improved Denver Broncos, and how really good are the Houston Texans? Both teams are six and five. They're going to face off against each other. There's some intrigue this week that I think we should know a little bit more about teams that are true contenders, don't you think? Yeah, we got. In, in, in the case of Denver and Houston, you have two teams that finished in last place last year. Right, and 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 it and it didn't take them long to turn it around and be six and five, mm-hmm. and that's that's why you know that's another thing that I haven't had a chance to mention today, Russell. But you know, Patriots fans, you know, the Patriots, believe it or not, I know things stink on ice right now. That's my phrase. I love that one. But at the same time, uh, they may not be that far away from turning it around, and all you have to do is look at Denver and Houston. 
Well, and look at the league last year. Denver, Houston uh, also have quarterbacks, were, too. Remember, there were four teams last year that finished last in 2021, mm-hmm. and four of them, of the eight, made the playoffs. Yep. Okay? Um, Baltimore, I mean, you're not used to Baltimore finishing last, but, but they did. Uh, the Giants finished last, came back, not only made the playoffs, but won a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville was dead last for a couple of years. Uh, started four and eight, and then won the division with a nine and eight record. Yep. Okay. So it, it, we see this now. Um, I don't want to say on a regular basis. Okay, but it it's not all that unusual. Um, and you know, you look at the the, the last place teams uh, from a year ago. Okay. Yep. And how they're doing now the Jets you know the Aaron Rodgers thing has cost them dearly Cleveland is seven and four okay mm-hmm. Houston is six and five Denver is now six and five Washington is in free fall as far as I'm concerned Chicago's improved its record Atlanta was dead last they are technically in first place right now Arizona that you know we knew that was going to be a disaster with Kyler Murray being hurt and missing at the beginning of the year and <laughs> Yeah. Even with him back, they beat Atlanta, but they, you know, last week they got plowed by by the Rams. So yeah, yeah. They you did. have more than your four, fair share of teams uh, bouncing back after last place finishes. And uh, oh, and by the way, the team I left out are the Seahawks. The Seahawks were last place in 2021. John, they were the only team in the division to not make the playoffs. And mm-hmm. then last year they came back and were a wild card. So, you know, mm-hmm. things things can happen. In fact, go back to Jacksonville for a second. So they went from last place to 4-8 and eight, to 9-8 and eight, to down 27 nothing in the playoff game and then winning the playoff game. That's, n- that's nuts. That doesn't even sound like that's that's realistic, does it? No. No, but that's, I mean, the year before three last place teams did it. And, and again, I, I, I know I say this every show. That's why the consistency of the Patriots for 20 years and the consistency of the Chiefs right now is something that is to be admired. And, and you may have to start throwing Philadelphia in there. Well, you might. Yeah, you, know, you might. They're um, uh, first time in almost 10 years, 2013 and 14, that they've won at least 10 games uh, back-to-back years. Hmm. Here's the real kicker. If the Eagles hold on and win the NFC East, it's been almost like 20 years since any team in that division has repeated. Wow. Yeah, I think yeah, I think I saw that in a graphic somewhere where you know the Andy Reid led the team to four straight division titles from 2001 to 2004. Okay. No team in the NFC East has won back-to-back titles since then. Since then, which is remarkable. Yeah. That is remarkable. And of course, the Eagles get a big test this week. Might be an NFC Championship preview. The the Niners go to Philly, right? Yes, they do, and, and we saw what happened last year. And um, you know, Brock Purdy got hurt. Uh, you know, the, the Niners seemed like they were kind of controlling the tempo of the game, and it didn't go their way. It wound up being a very, very lopsided score. Um, and you know, Philly is Philly's not blowing anybody's doors off, okay, in, at all, mm-hmm. okay, um, but. They're winning the games they had to win. Last week was another classic case of resiliency. So, um, you know, having the route would be Buffalo. Buffalo scores in overtime. They come down the field 
Uh, and when it, it, it here, this is to me is remarkable. The Dallas Cowboys have the biggest point differential in the league this season so far. They are plus one sixty-two. That's that's nuts. And they've lost three games. And they've lost three games. Philly's uh, point differential is plus sixty-four. Yep. Wow. The Niners' point differential is plus one forty. But they're eight and three. The Cowboys are eight and three, and Philly. Is 10, and 10 and 1. Yeah. So, not if, if they're what? doing it a different way than they did a year ago. Um, what does history, Russell, what, what does history say about teams like that that actually have the larger margin of victory as opposed to teams that tend to win closer games? I mean, uh, where, who, what, which side of the fence does history really stand on? Which, which type of team do you think is being more successful in the long haul? Well, I think I don't know if it's necessary. Listen, the Giants, the 2011 Giants, I don't have to remind you of this. They had a negative point differential for the regular season. They finished nine and seven, and they won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, more times than not, we have seen high-scoring teams get to the Super Bowl um, and not win, yep. or not even get to the Super Bowl. Yep. So you see these enormous point differentials, and you know. You don't, have to, you don't have to mind the Buffalo Bills. It's, it's 2019, okay? All you have to do is lose by one, and it, it, and it can change things mm-hmm. dramatically. I mean, remember the Denver – here's actually probably a better example. The Denver Broncos in 2013, remember, set a single-season record for points scored. Okay. Peyton Manning from 55 touchdown passes, 5,477 yards. Those yeah. are still NFL records. Yeah, yeah. Um, and all they did was lose the Super Bowl by 35 points. <laughs> right. Now, two years later, Peyton Manning doesn't even play the whole season. Um, their defense is off the charts. It's a totally different team. They struggle to score points. Peyton came back, I think, he, he with his last breath. In that Super Bowl, which he was relatively ineffective in the second half, and they beat the highest scoring team in the league that year, Carolina, by two touchdowns. Hmm. Wow! Yeah, crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. <laughs> you want you? Hey, here's something else crazy. The Jets uh, cleared Aaron Rodgers to return to practice today. Well, I'll be curious. I guess they want to see what he has and what he's going to do. And, and, they, and I'll be curious to see if they actually wind up activating him. They have now scored 13 points or less than five games in a row. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, you know, but this is my, I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on the Dolphins the next six weeks. Obviously, by the way, they haven't won a division since 2008. Right. Um, and every time you turn around, I mean, you know, it's, the other three teams in the division are doing their damnedest not to win any games. You know, Miami, Miami. I'm sorry, Buffalo, heartbreaker. Okay, um, after they had demolished the Jets, uh, New England's lost four in a row. The Jets have lost four in a row. Um, this is Miami's time to shine. I know they've got some tricky ones down the stretch. They got the rematch with Buffalo. Uh, they have Dallas to play yet. Um, I think they've. I think they have Baltimore. To play, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm almost positive to play Baltimore. Yeah, remember that game last year in Baltimore, 42-38, uh, with Tua and, and Lamar Jackson and all those receivers and stuff. So, um, yeah, but it, it 
you, Philly, to me, feels like the best team. Um, I think Dallas and San Francisco at times are overpowering. But you know, I also remember the Niners lost three games in a row. Yep. And, you know, and, and, and it's funny because you think about what Kyle Shanahan has done after a slow start in San Francisco. They've now gotten to the NFC title games three times in four years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they've gotten to one Super Bowl and, didn't, and blew a lead. Yep. So. What does that really mean? <laughs> what does that really mean? Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. So, listen, people ask me on occasion and stuff about overachieving, underachieving, overachieving, and so on. Yep. Um, the Houston Oilers with Jerry Glanville and later Jack Pardee. I know you'll remember them, late 80s, early 90s. I covered them, yeah. Yeah. Seven years in a row they went to the playoffs, and seven years in a row they couldn't even reach the AFC title game. Right, exactly. They were always they, they would the always fall short. Denver, yeah. They blew the lead of all leagues in Buffalo. Buffalo, yeah. They finally got Kansas City in their own building and were up ten nothing and Joe Montana and Marcus Allen pulled mm. that game out. Mm-hmm. So Mm-hmm. No, for all the bills of the '90s, those, those yeah. late season Oilers or late '80s, early '90s Oilers, where they were very talented, right. right, and couldn't get it, and just couldn't get it done, right. Russell, the question that I, that I really want to ask you today uh, has to do with you know historical figures in the NFL, uh, you know, having rather inglorious ends. You know where I'm kind of going with this. Uh, we've seen coaches throughout history in the NFL who are considered the greatest to have ever coached this great game that we all enjoy, that we all love. Uh, they've ended their careers uh, poorly. Uh, with one real exception, if you just look at the numbers by itself, uh, I, I come up with, well, I guess if, you, if you're considering, you know, Bill Belichick in this group, if you're considering Tom Landry in this group, if you're considering Don Shula in this group, considering maybe uh, uh, Vince Lombardi in this group, maybe George Hallis in this group, we're looking right. at, you know, this group of, you know, I would say a half a dozen or so coaches of all time, right? And the one that seems to have fared the most or the best, I guess, out of all this, in terms of wins and losses, probably would be Shula, even though it wasn't really, I mean, a smooth ride off into the sunset for him. How do you view that? And, and is, is, is Shula really the, the, the best of the bunch when it comes to considering how things end, or is this just an inevitability in the NFL when it comes to the end of a coaching circle? Well, um, you know, Shula had competitive teams at least. Uh, and, and, and I wrote a piece on this earlier this year. It, 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 this is almost unfathomable to think that the Miami Dolphins' last Super Bowl title came 50 years ago. Yeah, that's nuts, right? 50? 72, yeah. Yeah, right. And Don Shula, listen, he had competitive teams. He made some AFC championship games, won some division titles. Dan Marino had a big hand to that and so on. But he didn't win a Super Bowl. But he didn't. He they got to the Super Bowl in '82, lost to Washington. Got to the Super Bowl in '84 with a you know one of the great years of any quarterback, Marino, and got blown out 38-16 mm-hmm. in Palo Alto. So um, it just shows you, you got to have the complete picture. Shula, I mean, Shula is probably a good example of that. You know, you think about the uh, well, Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi never had a losing season, so. Mm-hmm. He, he went out on a high note. He, he didn't have, you know, he won his last two titles with the Packers, and then went to Washington eventually. And didn't his didn't his health knock him out of the of the the job in Washington initially? Uh, 
I believe so, and he wasn't with it was much longer after that. Right, so on. right. I know he Chuck died from Noel cancer. Had, yeah, Chuck Knoll had some competitive teams. Yeah, Chuck Knoll. Yeah. Um, I, I always talk about. Um, in fact, a year the Steelers were. Are you ready for this? They lost their first two games, ninety-two to ten. Oh wow! In nineteen eighty-nine. Wow! And they bounced back and made the playoffs, and went to Houston and beat the Oilers in overtime in a playoff game. Yeah, yeah. Might have been his best coaching job, if you think about it. But he was gone uh, after a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it's a, you know, it's hard to, you know, you didn't bring up this guy because he's now up on the list and so on. But things looked rough for him for a couple of years, and he has been the greatest Andy Reid. Yeah. You know, his yeah. last couple of years in Philadelphia weren't so great, and they eventually got rid of him, and now he's gone to Kansas City. He's made it the playoffs every year but one. He's not had a losing season. So he might be the super exception mm-hmm. uh, to the rule and so on. Chuck Knox, you know, I'm throwing some other names out there and so on. You know, Chuck had success at his three stops and so on. Uh, Marty Schottenheimer, I'm thinking the guys who've won like 200 games and, and so on. Um, so, I mean, Dan Reeves, uh, you know, he, he, the funny thing is, you just don't see these long tenures anymore. No, you don't. You know? And I'm and wondering. Landry, let's I'm, be honest. Tom Landry, the team became old and slow. Yeah. And uh, you know they, you know, three and thirteen his last year. Remember, he had, he still holds the record as far as consecutive winning seasons for twenty years in a row. Yeah. From '66 to to '85, but then. Again, the wheels. I think his last three years in the league, he didn't make the playoffs. So right. Yeah. It is hard because it's it, 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 it's probably even harder to sustain success. Yep. So when it finally ends, um, but I mean, listen, I understand frustration and so on because uh, you don't see too many twenty-year runs that had this many Super Bowl appearances and this many champions. I mean, for all of the Cowboys, sixty-six to eighty-five. <laughs> Okay, mm-hmm. twenty straight, you know, twenty straight winning seasons. John, they only won two Super Bowls over that stretch. <laughs> well, I know, doesn't sound like enough. Win- doesn't sound like enough winning to me. So that's, I don't they, know. they made it on the I mean, the Patriots had a run here where they've been to the Super Bowl, you know, nine times yeah. and won six of them. Right. Yeah. So there's a big contrast. Yeah. I mean, there's being spoiled and then there's being spoiled. Yep. True. Very true. All right, my brother. Thank you for uh, thank you for the time today. I'm glad you had a good holiday. Uh, and uh, you know what? We're just gonna we're gonna take the rest of football with open arms and try to enjoy it while we can, and and look forward to the future because that's about all you can really do right now in Patriot Land. That's right. But I will say this: open arms means missed tackles. <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. And we know a little bit about that around here too. Yes. <laughs> thank you, Russell. All right, talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Talk to you next week. Russell Baxter, at Bax Football Guru on X. Okay, I'm going to end the show today with some emails that got sent in uh, from a little earlier about our question concerning Bill Belichick off the top of the show. Um, And it has to do with, you know, I asked, you know, do you keep him, do you trade him, or do you let him go? Really? You know, pretty basic stuff. And I wanted to at least share, um, you know, some of the, uh, the issues. Uh, all of it. Uh, I'm going to lead off here, though, with this one from Marvin in Kernersville, North Carolina, who says, John, 
George Carlin was a true genius. His greatest comment, in my opinion, was, we will find a way to solve homelessness in this country when somebody figures out how to get rich doing it. That's 100% right, by the way. I can't tell you how many times I've used that quote. It is just so true. ESPN is reporting Aaron Rodgers is clear to start practicing again. There goes our third win of the season in week 18. Uh, he said, thanks for all you do. Still wish you were three days a week like the old days. Ah, well, I appreciate that, Marvin. Thank you. But I, I had to get a real job. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. You know, uh, got to get a real job. Um, you know, uh, sometimes that we have to do that. Uh, what else do I have here? Oh, okay. Uh, so this one comes from Keith, who says, I say keep Bill, but remove him as GM and let him coach only. Just my opinion. You know, and I think I think that would almost be unanimous as an answer, right? If Bill would agree just to stay and coach and not be the GM, w- why wouldn't you want, you know, arguably the greatest coach of all time still coaching your team, even if he's a little bit, you know, behind the, the, the times? I don't know. My issue with that particular thought process is he won't accept that I don't think he does I I just he's not going to give up GM why would he why would he he doesn't need it anymore I mean you know I think in theory yeah okay Bill be coach ain't gonna happen he's gonna keep his job the way it is you know he doesn't have to prove anything it's nothing to prove zero to prove I mean if you could get him to do it and he'd agree to do it that's a win-win it's a win-win I just I don't I don't think that happens uh, Patrick in Ottawa says, John, trade him. And if that doesn't work, let him go. We need new blood and a new vision in the building. You know, and I, I actually, you know, think that that is probably more prevalent for most people than you really think. Uh, Antonio, uh, Tony from Canada. Isn't it funny how things can change quickly? Only a few years ago, we were discussing whether it was Bill or Brady that was most responsible for the Patriots dynasty, and now we're talking about whether Bill will be fired. My question is this. If the writing is on the wall regarding Bill's exit, then would it not be in the team's own best interest to let Bill go as soon as possible? This would give our team the opportunity to hire an interim coach, such as Gerard Mayo or Bill O'Brien, assist whether we want to hire a head coach within or outside of the organization. It would also give the fans a sense that the Crafts are taking control of the situation rather than letting the situation only get worse as we continue to lose each week. Lastly, it would give Belichick a chance to step away from the game and either take some time to assess his future and either retire or get back into the NFL with another team. What say you? Let Bill go and change course now. Or continue to watch continue to watch this ship sink. Well, if it were left to me, Tony, that I, I'm gonna, I, you know, I'm gonna end with that one because I think that was the one that we really kind of began the show with, and and I think it's the it's the ultimate, you know, uh, it's the eight ball question. It really is. And I'm not sure that there's a definitive answer for it. I, I think that we'll continue to get closer to that answer over the course of the last six weeks of the regular season here, but uh, I, I don't know that we can answer it. If it were up to me right now. At this moment, if I determine that Bill is not uh, interested in doing anything but the way that he has done things over the previous 22 years here, uh, then I'd say you've got to let him go. I, I see the Kraft's point of view. He's a marketable commodity. I just don't know what you're going to get, and I'm not willing to take pennies on the dollar for the greatest coach of all time. I'm not. Anything short of a First-round draft pick? No, I'm just not, and I don't think the Patriots can get that for him. I'll go on the record and say that right now. I don't think they get it for him because I think most people understand, well, the Patriots are looking probably to move on from him anyway. And, and I think that's almost an insult. I really do. 
So I think the, the best way to go for Bill and for the Patriots is just to cut bait and move on. If you decide you're not going to keep him, okay, I think you cut bait. I just don't see – I think in a perfect world, yeah, I'd love to get a one for him, wouldn't you? Like, you know, Evan said earlier, if you get, like, say, you know, the Chargers pick, the 15th pick of the first round, and then you take the number three pick overall in the 15 and get yourself a quarterback and a wide receiver, man, you're in business again, right? In theory. In theory. I just – I don't see that scenario unfolding, but I hope I'm wrong. Okay. Thanksgiving is coming on and with the winter holidays now firmly in your sights. You might be realizing your house needs a holiday spruce with Bob's Discount Furniture's unbelievable prices and flexible financing on mattresses, furniture, decor, and more. You're sure to impress your guests with com- guests with comfort and style. Get the ultimate home team advantage with Bob's, the official furniture store of the New England Patriots. All right, I guess that will wrap it up for the day. I appreciate your attention to the details. Thank you to Fernando Ramirez from uh, uh, the West Coast to talk about the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, Chris Mason from Mass Live, of course, uh, Russell Baxter and Evan Lazar for joining us in the program. Uh, Maureen, thank you, sir. Hoorah for everything that you do for us here on the show. Uh, St. Pat's time, St. Pat's channel next Wednesday. Uh, as we step forward, I you know they got the the Steelers on the schedule. It's a Thursday night game. Uh, in theory, we'll be doing a show on Wednesday. You haven't been told otherwise. We are right. Okay. All right. I just wanted to make sure that we're doing it the day before the game. So, okay. All right. Good. So we will be back next Wednesday to talk about the Thursday night game, and another step forward or another step closer to the inevitable. Which will it be? Talk to you next week. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.